Hello, denizens of the internet. This is not the full film for Bell. This is a podcast review of the movie and its English dub. If you wish to experience the movie for yourself, the movie is available on streaming via HBO Max and on home video through G-Kids. Please support the official release. What's up, bros, gals, and non-binary pals? I'm Zenith Warrior Princess, the cutest of ghost buns, and thank you for coming to our grand finale of Summer at the Movies VTuber Concert. Looks like we have guests from all around the world here tonight. Our main headliner will be here in just a minute, so keep your virtual hats on. As always, before you begin, the following concert may contain language and subject matter not suitable for younger accounts. Listener discretion is advised. Also, there will definitely be spoilers for the movie Bell, the entire filmography of Amoro Hasoda, and any other anime or video game being discussed. Be forewarned if you haven't seen this cinematic achievement yet. And of course, the words expressed by our performers are the opinions of the individuals themselves and do not necessarily reflect the dub talk virtual world as a whole. Alright, let's see some hearts and likes in the chat and finally begin the event to the summer. Everyone give it up for the Dub Talk Performers! Welcome to my mysterious castle, ladies and gentlemen. I see you have gone far off the beaten path and have perhaps lost your horse and need a place to stay for the night. But that is perfect, because we will give you a place to stay, because you have wandered into the Dub Talk Castle. Yes, we have been keeping track of this place for millennia as we deal with the curse of having to deal with anime dubs, both good and bad and in between throughout the ages. And one day, if we find the one person who can love us, and we can love them in return, we will be free from our prison and we can go back to living normal lives. Uh, some of us will not be free from the dungeon, though. That's you. That is me. I I'm stuck in here forever. <laughs> Okay, because you have chosen to join us for the grand finale of Summer at the Movies! Yay! Woo! You think is any of those people ever got turned into a butt plug in one of those Beauty and the Beast films? Well, it is French, so more than yes. likely. Oui, oui! <laughs> at, the, at the very least, one of them Enchanté. got turned into a I shall French stick tickler. This, I shall stick this plug up on my bum! <laughs> Your daddy air. Is that the dirty version that you were thinking of, Gigi? No. <laughs> There's, I'm not even going to talk about it on this podcast. The That's how bad it is. No, people, there's apparently a, a Beauty and the Beast adaptation that is so wrong that it even it even squeaked Gigi out. That That's how bad it is. We'll talk about it's, that in a future episode. It's French. <laughs> <laughs> well, not like this movie. But anyways, yes, yeah, so we've come to the finale of Summer at the Movies. Uh, we, we've gone through girls with tanks we've gone through weather girls we've gone through 
girls in wheelchairs. So it, it only seems fitting that we end this whole thing off. We're not going to talk with... about the girl who got turned into a cat. And we t- as we also uh, had a movie starring Anne Hathaway turning into a cat. It was a good summer, I think, overall. Also, Fujiko Mine was here, too. <laughs> yes, she... Just the girl in Good general. girl. She was. Good girl. But we are here to talk about and the VTuber girl. We are here to talk about the, uh, I, I want to say legendary because it made quite a splash when it came out last year, the latest feature film from director Mamoru Hosoda, Bell. That's a fine name and all, but I, I personally prefer the original title. The original Japanese title was The Dragon and the Freckled Princess, which I have to assume... Meh. I have to assume that was uh, actually the shortened version. I- I'm sure that if it was like a-, a real Japanese title, it would be something like, I couldn't deal with the crushing death of my mother, so I became a virtual singer in a wow. virtual reality. Wow. Sounds like an isekai light novel to me. This is it kind of this is. is better than any isekai light novel, though. This, this is true. <laughs> it- this it's is definitely actual got more going art. for it. But you won't deny it's got quite a bit of the escapist fantasy going on in it. I mean, yes, and I will get to why that's amazing. So, speaking of um, talking about that, I should probably introduce my cohorts in this castle. Uh, please say hello to my clock, Megan. Why am I? Why do I have to be the clock? Yeah, because why does Megan have to be the clock? She's related. Thanks, Jenny. <laughs> I am not the Cogsworth in this household, thank you. I am the Mrs. Potts. How fucking dare you? you? No, no, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because in the, the Disney version, the clock was voiced by uh, David Ogden Steers, and I know that Megan's a fan of his, so I'm gonna... My boyfriend is a fan of David Ogden Steers! <laughs> I didn't know who he was a year ago! <laughs> But now you know Also, B, you know if you're is. going to go by people who I am a fan of who are voices in the Disney movie, how are you talking to the person from New York whose family religiously watches Law and & Order and not give me Lumiere, <laughs> you piece of shit? <laughs> I'm offended. Can... My, you aunt, see... my aunt helped on that show. You can see why I am cursed here, because I have upset Megan. And I deserve to be cursed, absolutely. Jenny, tell him 10,000 Years Dungeon. 10,000 Years Dungeon. Well, while I'm down there, I can at least enjoy the light given off from my candelabra. Gigi! Oh, je m'appelle Gigi. Comment allez-vous? See, Gigi? Mes amis. See, Gigi would actually be the Mrs. Potts because she has the pipes to hang- handle Angela Lansbury. <laughs> when I was in... Remember when um, they had that bell thing at Disney World? Oh, um, yeah. Where you... I was the wardrobe. <laughs> did they pick you <laughs> to be the wardrobe, or did you volunteer? Um, they picked me for the wardrobe because I can <laughs> sing really loud and really high. Good. But that's a that's a compliment because uh, oh, who was it? Who played the wardrobe? I had it written down. It's in not a fucking Angela Lansbury. No, no. In the Christmas movie, it was, um, oh, God, the girl who was in private practice, who was also in Ragtime on Broadway. She's very famous. Okay, no, but in the original movie, it's Joanne Worley, who's, like, a a famous 70s comedian and, like, stand-up improv actress. That that, works for me. That's a compliment right there. I mean, I I was going to say I'm the, uh, the... 
I get to be the Mrs. Potts. I'll be Noah Clue for the night. But clearly I am the cursed one down in the dungeon 10,000 years because I don't know how to cast people in this podcast. No offense, Noah. I love you very dearly. You're not hairy enough to be the beast. Noah <laughs> would be the dad. Like, <laughs> Belle's dad. Aww. He's got stark raving mad. That's, not, that's even worse. <laughs> I cannot. I can only see that gif. Jennifer, Jennifer, Gigi just said I should be the dad from Beauty and the Beast. Okay, so we're going to cast the rest of Dub Talk as Beauty and the Beast characters. Who gets to be the Beast? Who's hairy enough to be the Beast? And is it Andrew? Can we all say Andrew? Yeah. Hardy. Or is it going to be Andrew? No, Andrew's the Beast. Steph is... He is loud enough to be the Beast. Steph is definitely Isbel. So Hardy gets to be Gaston. I, I'm sorry, I, but because because every last inch of him is covered in hair. Jamal would be Jamal gets to be Jamal gets to be LeFou. <laughs> Jet is definitely Cogsworth. That would be more in line. Jet would Does be Cogsworth. Mean- Gigi is definitely the Mrs. Potts. I'd be the fucking wardrobe. Um How do you feel who's Patrick would probably be Lumiere. That oh would God, be funny. Oh does this mean that Amon gets to be uh, Tim Curry? Who is? Yes, from the Christmas movie. No! Does he get to be the organ from the Christmas movie? No! Yes. <laughs> We're not counting well, that. We're counting the original film. No. Okay. Um. So then Amon would be. Amon gets to be Bell's horse. <laughs> <laughs> At least make him the dog or something. There was a dog. Yeah, yeah a the... little footstool dog. <laughs> the Ottoman dog. Oh my what God. about Chip? Who's going to be my kid? Oh my god, can Amon be Chip? Yes. (laughs) My son. (laughs) Lack can be the footstool dog. Who would be, uh... Who's going to... Zenith can be all three girls who are hitting on Gaston at once. (laughs) Perfect. No, no, no. Perfect. No, Zen's got to be the, uh, the... Feather Duster. Oh yeah! Jackson can... Jackson can be all three girls hitting on Gaston at once. (laughs) This is awful. But then who, we gotta put Lack in there also. Lack's the dog. Oh, Lack's the dog. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh... And scene. Scene. Wait, we didn't get... Who did you put as Roots? Roots is Lumiere. Lumiere. Oh, he's Lumiere. Yeah, because yeah. him and Jet have perfect banter with each other. There you go. I missed that one. I was too busy laughing at turning Jackson into the three girls. Jackson's <laughs> three women hitting on Gaston. <laughs> Well, anyways, I'm sorry, we got way off track here, but now that we got all the Disney stands in the audience, I guess we should tell them what That's this for you, Beth. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, this is another, uh, this film by Mamoru Hosoda is an adapt, is technically an adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. In the it's loosest kind of a, sense possible. There's, it's a mix of a lot of different ideas. This guy clearly had a lot of story ideas that he wanted to blend together here so and i feel um, like noah and i are going to get into an, a word-based fist fight over the quality of this film yes we are absolutely um i will not win that fight but i'll be happy to go down swinging we're going down in another round and sugar we're going down swinging okay, okay pete Wentz, keep talking so would you got would you too uh because i know you haven't seen it yet would you like to know uh the plot of bell i've chance? seen this movie three times same so, so, uh, so I don't need to give you a plot description. No, but right. the, the audience give our might listeners like it. One. <laughs> Let's. So, yeah, for anyone who hasn't seen the movie yet, um, let me tell you what it's about. So, it's about uh, a teenage girl named Suzu 
who unfortunately her mother passed away when she was younger, which that experience has kind of traumatized her. So she's grown up to be a bit of a more hushed, reserved individual uh, who can't really get her emotions out. However, she finds the strength to get her uh, abilities out, particularly her love for singing and music, in the world of Oz. I mean, the digital world. I mean, uh, Facebook. No, no. Um, oh my no, God, Noah, called... just say you. It's you. It, it's called. Okay, this is like the third time Hasoda's done a virtual world. But yes, this one is called. Yeah, and how many you. times has Shinkai done a love story? Get on with it. It's just the letter <laughs> U. And in this virtual world, um, basically, your personality, your body, everything is able to be moved into the world. It's like a mix of VTuber virtual reality and complete augmented, all your senses are connected to it. But long story short, Belle, Suzu's counterpart in the world of you, Belle becomes an internet sensation and a singing star, but her singing career is kind of abruptly stopped by the encounter with another individual, the beast or the dragon, who is a troubled individual with a lot of scars on his back, hides in a castle, wants to be the best fighter in the world, but there might be a little more to his real-life personality. And so begins Suzu and her friend's journey to find out who is the Beast, and can the power of the internet help them in the real world. Also, this movie can be summed up as, what would happen if you left a really, really smart 15-year-old alone with her parents' computer in a quest for money? Oh, are you talking about the greatest character in the movie? Yes, fucking Hiroka. <laughs> oh, I love that woman so much. That girl need that girl needed to be the star of the movie. I- I'm kind of happy with Suzu being the star. So that that that's a good point. The whole point of Suzu being a shy, reserved girl whose uh, strength comes from the anonymity of the internet. You know, where you can have a personality, but you don't have to give up your anonymousness. That's a, that's a major theme of the movie. But and, we'll um, get to where that goes. We'll get to that, not just with the movie, but the casting as well, because that was an interesting choice. Uh, obviously, you can't adapt a movie from Japanese to English without a director and a scriptwriter. And you certainly can't adapt this movie without a song adapter as well, because uh, this movie has a lot of singing in it, and all of it was dubbed. You can switch the audio tracks and listen to the Japanese singing, or you can keep it in English and listen to some really amazing English adaptations of Japanese songs. Shall we begin? Yes. Let's go. To the hot, to the danger zone? Look, that's Top Gun. Top Gun, the straightest, gayest movie you'll ever watch. Oh my god, that beach football scene. Mm. Do you mean volleyball? Volleyball? No, then the new one, it's football, sweetie. Oh, oh shit. Did you I just pull the, the no you on us Top Gun style? <laughs> 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 Fellas, is well, it I... gay to play to play with your balls on the beach with your with your teammates? Are you seriously referencing Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged? Why would I not? That's a cultural a landmark. Yes, it is. Anyways, so uh, directing and scriptwriting for this. So our director for Bell is one Michael Sinner Nicholas, and our scriptwriter is Stephanie Shea, and our song adaptation was done by Ludwig Forsell. And uh, well, well, hold on a second here. I 
I could be having deja vu because I seem to remember us talking about another movie directed by Michael Sarah Nicholas and script written by Stephanie Shea earlier this year. Dear God, could this be another NYAV post adaptation? Oh my God, oh my. who would have thought? Who would have thought G Kids would have contacted NYAV Post? <laughs> I'm shocked, shocked, I tell you. <laughs> This is so unlike anything they've done before. <coughs> but the next, by the way, the next Shinkai film probably won't be them, though. Good point. I think we should talk about that maybe at another time, but that's a minefield all on its own. Um, where have you heard uh, Michael Sarah Nicholas and Stephanie Shea's work before? All right, they've both been directors and scriptwriters on, like Megan was saying, other G-Kid-released feature films that we've, uh, we've talked about on this podcast before. They were adaptation people for your name for Oko's Inn, and even for an episode that Gigi and I just covered a couple weeks ago, Weathering With You. First of yeah, all, your please. name was not done by G-Kids, that was Funimation. I'm sorry, you're right, but the same uh, director and writer. Yes. Sorry. Also, they did Promare, so. that They did, that was a G-Kids. I thought that the songs were adapted by the, the Japanese person who wrote them. They were done together with them, because Ludwig oh. Forcell also did the composition on Bell with him. Gotcha. Okay. I watch. I watched that on the Blu-ray, and I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Uh, yeah, Ludwig Forsell also did the composing to the video game uh, Death Stranding. You know that game where you run around with the baby and uh, the dude from The Walking Dead. Norman Reedus fetus. Yeah, Norman Reedus and the funky fetus. <laughs> um, he also did Metal Gear Solid Five and Metal Gear Sol- uh, the Definitive Experience and Metal. Uh, those are big things. He also got a special thanks from the Horizon Zero Dawn crew. Uh, but he did Bell's composing with... Um, IMDB, you suck. Uh, Taisei Iwataki is the big one. And a lot of us would know who Taisei Iwataki is. Uh, they did the, co- the music for series like Blood Blockade Battlefront, um, The Dragon Pilot... Yeah, they did a lot of stuff. But anyway, back on track. No, I'm sorry to backseat post you. <laughs> no, no I, I want the mix there because the, the, we're going to have a lot of uh, varied individuals on this episode. Because as is customary for NYAV uh, cast, they usually get a mix of both seasoned actors and people that you've never seen in an anime before. So And maybe shouldn't have been given roles. Yes. <laughs> Looking at you, well, weathering with you. Hey. I'll be, I do not like that movie, and I do not like that dub. I'm going to be That's honest. okay. I love both, so. <laughs> I, I, I liked them okay. Um, not, not so much uh, to dislike or love the other. So I'll, I'll be right here in my nice static no commitment zone. No fear zone. <laughs> so so about this, um, ad- this adaptation here, um, I'd say it's pretty good. What about you guys? Oh, this was such a step up for me from Weathering With You, and I was terrified this was going to be terrible. Um, really? I I did not like a lot of the use of we're going to get large name celebrities to be these characters. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Allison Victor... Not Allison Victor. Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> you're talking about from the Weathering With You? Yes. Show? Allison Brie. Thank you. Like, her and, and, uh, what does nuts from Lord of the Rings? Um, Lee uh, Pace? Yes. Lee, no. Yeah, um, yeah, from The Hobbit, not from the original Lord of the Rings. 
Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, whatever, they all meld together for me. Um, they were fine, but then you get, like, Riz Ahmed, who was terrible. And I, I didn't particularly care for the two newer actors that they got, too, in it. But this, I thought they did a great job casting. I thought the only person I genuinely, I think, have a problem with is Justin's voice. Maybe Justin and, um, the guy, oh my god, not, not Kane-san. Kane-san's great. Uh, oh, you're talking about the, the one who proposed, I'm sorry, which one? Uh, not Kami Sheen, but, um, Shinobu? Shinobu. Shinobu took a long time to get used to. Um, but in, I thought that the script adaptation was great. I thought it felt very natural and as natural as you could be for this. But like, let's talk about the actual star of this. And that is the songs. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, this is some of the best dubbed anime song work I've ever heard in my life. Um, yeah. Um, so much so that I actually prefer it over the Japanese. Um, my biggest fear oh, yeah. is I, because I have listened to the Japanese version of the soundtrack. I was gonna ask, it, did you actually listen yes, to the I, original? Yes, I have listened to the original. Um, and the thing I felt as a fear when I first listened to it was, oh my god, did they have? I felt like they had Belle's actress at first, almost mimic the Seiyu a little too closely. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to it, you know, with the context of the songs in the moment, um, it was a lot better. And I think it's it helps that, for one, this is the first time that Belle's actress had done anime voiceover at all. like Any acting a, at yeah, all. Yeah, any acting at all. They, they were known as a singer. And I think they do a fantastic job acting-wise. But there are just some songs that you need to deliver, and in particularly the penultimate song, uh, Mm -hmm. A Million Miles Away had to be both vulnerable and building into bombasticness, and it worked amazingly. And I think that the biggest thing that this had over a lot of other anime songs is that they had the original people there working on the adaptation, so it does kind of feel a little bit like cheating. But from what oh, I no. from what I understand, like this is just going into some stuff. Um, a lot of times, licensors will have to actually approve the song subtitle lyrics before they can go up. As of the time of this recording, I don't think the show will be over when this goes up, but like. That's been a big issue with Tokyo Mew Mew New, is that that'll have songs in it, and, like, that swath of the show will just have no subtitles. Because they have to wait to get the song lyrics approved. Hmm. But overall, I think this is... I don't know if this is my favorite dub of a Hasoda film, though. Like... That's a high bar to clear. Yeah, because, like, as much as I really like a lot of the acting in this... I still feel like there was something that I don't I just don't know like it doesn't have the magic of something like Summer Wars to me. Well, I mean, a lot of the a variety of characters that we had in something like Summer Wars isn't really here in this movie I, because I I disagree that there are a lot of great characters and I will say that this this movie has some of the best walla work I've ever heard in my life. 
Um, the wall of work on this movie is impeccable. Oh, you're talking about like in the the universe of you. How yeah, the a wall bunch of work background in, yes. chatter. It, yeah, it's it's that, impeccably done. Um, yeah, I don't. When, this is when, a different movie than Summer Wars, though. As much it, as it is. as it's much hard. as you joke about, haha, Soda's doing the digital world thing again. This has a different well, theme and tone to it, which calls for different acting. I think my issue is with potentially a licensor mandate from G Kids that feels a lot like you have to have this say this not this this screen actor in your movie. And like I will say this and I know it's a very petty thing to get bugged about, but like Belle's actress isn't even the first person listed on her own poster. That's not uncommon. It's not uncommon, but it says something. And I know there's a whole rule thing about it, but like I don't know, maybe it's just me. I I genuinely like it more when people who do this as their main day-to-day living are the ones in it. And I guess that's why, like, out of all of the dubs I've seen from G-Kids, Promare is still my favorite. And I think is one of the best ones. Well, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with everything you said, so I'm glad that you got that out right away. <laughs> Jesus Christ, here we go. I got tea, fam. I'm literally drinking the tea. I, I over-exaggerate. I don't I have a problem with this dub. Um, what I do love about the music is that it's impeccably mixed. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not, it's not just sing the song into the microphone and we'll, like, make sure that the, you know, the pitch matches or we'll auto-correct a couple of uh, spots here and there. No, they. you listen to it and you hear it crescendos at the right moment. It blends with the audio instrumentals at the right time. There's a, there's a little bit of... Um, intentional auto-tune not like pitch correction to make sure that you hit the right note it's like that very intentional digital sound that enhances a performance when you use it sparingly you can hear that mixed into this performance and it's a lot of fun to listen to that first uh number that she comes in uh and i i don't know the lyrics sorry but it's like i think that's called millennium parade thank you um, I mean, I heard it a bunch because it was, uh, fun fact, uh, the first clip of this movie was leaked online months before it even had its theatrical run, and you could see that. You could see the entire millennial parade and the aesthetics and all that. And that song, to, like you are saying, Megan, is different from the Japanese singer. The Japanese singer sung it kind of a full, very um, uh, Broadway, showy kind of way, but the English performance is like ramped up even more. It's like amps up the angst that goes with the lyrics and it plays up the uh, intensity of kind of playing to the cheap seats almost, which I think it does say quite a bit about how they mimic the sound a little bit, but they okay, amp it up I'm quite a bit wrong. more it's for the American audience. It's not called Millennium Parade, it's just called You. It's just called you. what? Ah, well, but you know which one I'm talking about. Yes. Mm-hmm. She's on the whale. Why are there whales? Why are there, there was a whale in Summer Wars? It's I just Soda's favorite I, animal. Let him have it. There was a whale in Boy and the Beast too. I literally watched Summer Wars the day before we saw Belle in the theater, and I was like, "Why is the whale from Summer Wars in here?" And Chris is like, "This is why I made you watch Summer it's Wars." It's because Soda likes whales. Them. Let him like whales. I guess. I, I mean, I don't have a problem with it. It's just it's very fun to to like 
so we've seen all of his movies, you know, we've seen all of his films, kind of as they come out, and it's very fun to kind of look at and be like, that's a thing that was in all of his movies, ah, I see what you did there. Just like Shinkai and his misconstrued romances. Yeah, we talked about and, and, you know, weird immaculate details on certain things, like Feet, that one movie. Mm-hmm. Garden of Words. <laughs> yep. But that has nothing to do with the dub here. And yeah, I don't have a qualm with the dub. Um, I didn't really have a point where I thought like this wasn't being done well because there's so much audio coming at you almost all the time, whether it be in the uh, like a karaoke scene where there's a lot of high schoolers, there's a recruiting scene in a high school, there's a huge wall of sound in the world of you, and in all of it, they... Uh, it sounds professional. It does not sound like just getting a bunch of people in a like in a gymnasium and recording the ambient noise. Like this was clearly dozens of layers of audio files layered against each other to sound right. So I think that I think they understood it. And if you told me that there was input from the original Japanese producers to make it sound like what they wanted it to sound like, I would totally believe you. Now, Gigi, obviously, you know, we've uh, torn this movie to shreds, so you must have some positive things to say. Uh, well, so <laughs> here's the thing. I feel like for the past, what, three, two years, all I've done for Summer at the Movies is talk about NYAV post-dubs. <laughs> Next year, we're putting you on something different. <laughs> you know, all we're well, going to do is we're going to get you a movie from, like, the 1970s. Oh, Christ. How about one that just came out? Because we've literally been watching them all this year. Um, or but, you can watch The Cinephile as well. Oh, my God. That was, uh, was okay. Um, I, oh, like, yeah, that's right. You saw that. Yeah, I've seen them all. Literally <laughs> seen every single one that's come out in the theater. We just need to bully Big West into dubbing Macross. Oh, <laughs> That was so good, though. Oh, my God. Macross was so good. It could I, happen. Oh, <laughs> God. I don't even know if I want to hear it dubbed, to be honest. But That's that, another story. That aside, like, I, I wrote in my notes, I was like, props for blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, wait a minute. It's the same shit they do in every other movie that they direct and write and cast, which is they pick out some unknown people and then they put some celebrities in there that may or may not have done voice acting before. And usually it's the unknown people who work out real well. And then the celebrities are like, eh, but your name's on the poster. Um, and this was one where actually uh, I am a huge fan of the person whose name was on the poster. So I was like fangirling out like the moment I yeah, saw Gigi the Yeah, Gigi was more excited than anybody else for that guy. And the rest of us were like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> I watched Gossip Girl, okay? As my life is oh god gossip girl is the best xoxo um but like the other famous person in this we'll talk to him when we talk about him um Mm -hmm. but uh, they tried i mean really the the thing you can have like it's 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 a perfectly valid writing job, a perfectly valid directing job. I don't have anything terrible to say about either one because most of this movie is told kind of in silences and in songs. And because the song adaptation is so good and the song direction is so good, like I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that three-fourths of this movie in the theater, I was ugly crying. Like 
tears sobbing tears running down my face because just anything that they could have done with a dub script and directing wise, like it was just usurped by all the music in it. So, I mean, like they could have had a trash can talk for some of these people and I still (laughs) would have been ugly crying through three quarters of the movie. Um, But I will tell you that um, Michael Sinter Nicholas directed this, right? Yes, he did. Uh, The little children, how he directed those little children to scream and cry. Oof. That hurt me, like on a on a physical level. Like my heart was like breaking in pieces. They had a kayak and a rope. They couldn't, the mob could have survived. I know. Chris was like, he said something. Now I can't remember. This what is it why. Was, this is it, why Jack and Rose could have fit on the door. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> why? Why did? Why didn't she just swim back? Or why didn't she wear the life vest and swim back with the kid? And I was like, dude, I don't know. This is an anime movie. The mom's got to die. She it's an anime die. movie that was, that was teamed up and helped designed by a person who worked at Disney. Of course, the mom's fucking dying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, it's a standard NYAB post slash G Kids dub in the way that it was written and directed, but in the way that the music was just the music is just better than than anything I could have asked for so I almost feel like like the music should have gotten top billing over the people on the credits yeah honestly yeah it probably just put Bell's actress there because she was the star she oh was God. It, it was a I mean they got a legitimate singer who brought energy to this in a way that if it did not ex- if it did not carry the crowd rapturing level that Belle has in this movie, it wouldn't be believable. So that that's kind of a necessary element, and I think they did it. I the do question- wish they would have cast more like professional voice actors, though. There are some, but they're all almost like put down to these secondary characters. Yeah, they're hidden. They're like sprinkled around. I think they could have like we're not talking about her, but like Peggy Sue is played by Christina V. Right, and she was really cute in it. And there's some people that we're literally about to talk about next who are kind of like legends in the industry. But I think, yes, they are. Yeah, uh, I think there could have been some like male voice actors who do it professionally thrown around in there who were playing some bigger roles. Uh, I didn't th- see that part. I get I get where you're saying that uh, some of the male younger voices, like the more uh, male lead voices, weren't like up to the level of quality from. Actors who we know could have done this very well, but it didn't bother me too much because the actors they got kind of felt the tropes that they were clearly going for, and I was like, that's enough for me. I don't need the greatest performance. I just need those tropes to be filled because I don't think the movie. Yeah, but you really can also you can also have that. those tropes filled and have that performance elevated to what the film is because this is like a big deal movie, and I know you and I disagree about potentially the quality or where it went. But the of the yeah the story itself, not the acting. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, just that... I I I enjoyed the dub a lot. So I I did too. I really loved it. I haven't even seen it in the Japanese. That's how much I love the English dub. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was gonna be my last question before we move on. Was um you know uh, if you have experience with listening to the Japanese, do do you think you could still recommend the dub over the sub to people who just ask you on the street? Probably yeah. If you were like. If you asked me what I which one I'd want to listen to, I'd probably mm. watch the dub over the sub. But it's not because and like I've seen the the sub trailer, but like mm-hmm. I don't know. I just 
I just, I don't know, I, I much preferred the dub for this, and I think it's because... I think it's because the overall message of what the movie was about resonated for me a lot. And I think that especially coming from somebody who watches a lot of, and has grown up especially in the age of the internet in the West, uh, I have some words about how much I, I love the, the end of this movie and how much I think people who are down on it are completely wrong about it. I'll, I'll be happy for you to tell me why I'm wrong in just a few minutes. But we can't really get to that discussion until we talk about the performers in this movie. And we're going to start out with um, a brief group who are not as prominent on the poster, but they are prominent near the, the last third of the movie. We're going to talk about the adults in the lives of our characters. And we're going to talk about all of the... Basically, Suzu joins a like a after-school choir that is composed entirely of older women. And we're going to talk about all of them. And we're also going to talk about Suzu's dad in this section as well, because he doesn't have as much of a presence in the overall story, but he's worth mentioning overall. So who are the actors in this whole section here? I'm going to rattle them off here as long as they're voice actors, just to give you a taste. So we've got four women who are in this choir group that kind of act as Suzu's backup helpers near the end of the movie. They are Kita, voiced by Jessica G. George, Yoshitani, voiced by Barbara Goodson, Nakai, voiced by Wendy Lee, and Okumoto, voiced by Ellen Stern. And of course, to round this group off, we have Suzu's dad, voiced by Ben Lepley. Now, Gigi mentioned before that uh, this section here is where we're going to get legitimate, legendary anime voice actresses who, honestly, we could have had as like bigger roles in the movie, but they're, we're glad to have them here because all of these actresses have been around for a all long time. All these veteran voice actresses and Ben Lipley. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, the women are veterans, not so much Suzu's dad. But get, Excuse we'll, we'll me, Suzu's dad is a legend to me. I know, and I, I know exactly why. I fucking know exactly why. Why, Noah? Why is he a legend to Megan? Because he voices a guy in Fire Emblems. What's his houses. name, Biznatch? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare say my my Fire Emblem husband is just some guy. I mean, I could just say that because I know that'll make you mad. Jenny, kick him in the nuts. Oh, she already left. There were no nuts to be kicked here. But yeah, Ben Lipley, he's done other stuff before, but wow, you know him in this because He voices Daydo in Don't you not Daydo Oh my god, we are not friends. <laughs> I don't fucking know this boy. I don't know this man. He just showed up in my house one day. Daydo. It's Dudu, you ignorant slut. <laughs> It's not an insult, Megan, if it's not true. Good lord. Anyway, that, that we, got, we had to get that out of our system because, yeah, that's what Ben is known for here in, in this group right here. But I want to give a shout out to the actresses who are playing the other women here. For example, Jessica G. George. Uh, she's been around for a long time in the anime voicing world. She voiced bit parts in uh, shows like Apocalypse Zero, Magic Knight Ray Earth, and Metal Fiker Miku. There's a, there's a, there's a show that... <laughs> Oh, we're talking about a nice, wholesome family film. I don't know. Let's bring up a show. I know Apocalypse Zero. 
I was only trying to illustrate how long she's been in the game, but you're right, that is out of character for the, the type of movie we're talking about. That just shows how long she's been around. Um, but that's not what I know her for, personally. Um, I, I know her more because... Uh, you ever seen this dinosaur movie called The Land Before Time? Stop it, who? What the hell? Okay, so not not, not the original Never one. Never mind, but in- I don't care. Aww. Okay, no, she wasn't in the original, but in the later movies and even the TV show for The Land Before Time... Uh, Sarah gets a stepmom uh, named Tria, and I didn't know this until I looked it up, but Jessica voices that character. She's like the only recurring character that's not from previous, earlier movies. Like, she sticks around for a couple of movies. My question is, how did Daddy Toph's racist ass land a catch like that? That is a br- that is a great question, and that's that's a bonus episode on our Patreon that we are totally going to have <laughs> the, dis- because the discussion that's of Daddy Tops' racism. Yes, it is that that is worth a discussion after that. Tell you what, when we're done talking about Bell. We'll talk about that. Noah, do you know I bought a pin that literally is Littlefoot screaming tree stars this weekend? <laughs> is it that image with this mouth like a muppet Absolutely. where it's like wide open? <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Megan. Keep keep being you. It literally uh, stares at me as I record. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to uh, blitz through the, the next couple here because, um, uh, what I say? Yoshitani is voiced by Barbara Goodson. Do I need to listen to anything here? Because it's Barbara Goodson. She's Rita Repulsa. She's been around for a long time. She's um, Naoto in Fully Cooley. She's just, she's Barbara Goodson. She doesn't need me to introduce her anymore. Wendy Lee also does not need me to introduce her anymore, because if you've been living under a rock on Saturn in the 10th dimension, then maybe you don't know who Wendy Lee is, but you all know Wendy Lee, because she's Wendy Lee. My point stands. And lastly, Ellen Stern. Um, That's uh, one who uh, you might not know as much, because she hasn't been around as long as some of the other ones, but she has been around since at least the mid-2000s, because she voiced Miyuki in Noween, which I've been told to... It actually aired on the Sci-Fi Channel. I didn't know that until recently. I cannot think of ever that show without the bloopers. Say it! Come on, say it, Megan! Say the blooper! Come on, do it! Oh, wait, wait, I'll, I'll lead you up. Where did they go? Ah, Crispin, get out of my bedroom. <laughs> and, of course, what? then I'm, I'm gonna do the dog, and then I'm gonna do you. There you go. What? <laughs> oh, have you never oh, heard a, the bloopers oh. for Noeen? No. Okay. Oh man, they're literally there's a literal running gag that lasted as long as the Durarara bloopers between Yuri Lowenthal <laughs> and Crispy Freeman. Oh my god. I'll have to see and if Chris has it hiding somewhere. It's on the DVD, so yes, you should definitely track it, is it down. I believe it's also on the Funimation Blu-ray release. More than likely, but the the reason why we bring it up is because usually they delete Crispin's bloopers because they're so inappropriate that they don't keep them but the one that they kept and even christmas was surprised they kept that was <clears throat> where are they i believe they both went to the waffle house what's that i'm gonna do the both of you and then i'm gonna the do dog. the dog just crispin freeman ladies and gentlemen i'm scared of you but anyway that has nothing to do with ellen stern um i'm sorry she's also been in skip beat um if you've seen that show recently she was mrs taoshi in that and if you're more of a gundam person she's played the role of martha in some stuff like gundam nt and gundam unicorn so that's that's fun to talk about unfortunately i don't have many notes on these uh this group of women because 
they're just kind of a group. Like the individual. They are characters. the best. They are the best set of aunties that you could ever want as a girl going through a lot of trauma. Hell yeah! That they, uh, also, Susie's they, they dad are, exists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote. Down. Sorry, Ben Lee, I love you, but Susie's dad literally just exists. Like, uh, do you want to know what I wrote down? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Almost. I, I had to write something, so I wrote. Yep, that's a dad, all right. End of sentence. <laughs> the dad was barely there. Yes. Just was. like in the movie. Just, just like in real life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, all the aunties were like super passionate and very. they had good comedic timing and they were singing really well. I was surprised about that. Oh, yeah, they're like, they're great. I love the auntie squad. Like, I, I love aunties. I wish I had some aunties like that. Like, <laughs> I do have aunts like that, and they fucking rule. Nice. Okay, technically... <laughs> I aim to be okay, an aunt like that. Okay, technically... Oh, you already are. Technically, do they count if a pa- if two of them are gay men? Yes. Oh, uh, yes. Fuck absolutely. yeah, my uncles Terry and Tom count. <laughs> but the most important question, is this group of aunties... Better than the group of aunties from Turning Red. Okay, the ones in Turning Red were also mild, inflicting mild generational trauma, so yes, these ones are better. Yes, they were mean. Fair enough. Also, you should but- all go watch Turning Red. That movie's amazing. Turning Red is great, and May and Bo would be friends. May and Suzu would be buddies. Fully anticipating now that uh, Turning Red will win the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature at the 2020 It's a good Academy movie! Awards. I know it's a good movie. I'm just saying that it also is a Pixar movie, so it has to win. It's got Four Town in it. That's the best part. <laughs> I can't deny that. That's and then those, I love singing. that whole gag of. And then there's those two guys. <laughs> it's how boy bands work. Also, yes, Mamoru Hosoda did in fact draw Bell, draw uh, Maymay. Yes, she did. He did. I I love that <laughs> picture of him. It's like a uh, girl who leapt through time image with turning red characters it's great um voice acting on this um i think the only one of the aunties who kind of stands out is and i think it's wendy lee's character because uh she has a bit of a a tangent about how she loves them bad boys and when she was younger she wrote a song for one yes which also had a a call out to eddie buddy who is into uh, anime bad boys, uh, not two people that would be on this podcast, absolutely fucking not, uh, <coughs> with the line, I believe I'm it's looking. Barbara Goodson's one, he goes, oh, and you think I can fix him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what all girls think. I mean, we can I fix anything. Why. I mean, on the one hand, I can fix him. On the other hand, he's <laughs> fucked up, but I'm kind of liking him that way. This is how we live our lives. Why not just go for a guy who's already fixed, you know? Like, there is no such thing. Yeah, None. but if he's already ex- fixed, ex- he can't give me babies. True. <laughs> I didn't realize the trap I was walking into. Thank you for calling that out, Megan. You walked right into that like a golden retriever to a, a glass door. A golden retriever who also doesn't have his nuts. One, one. One, one. <laughs> one, one, Haruka-chan. Can I talk about my favorite golden retriever, Nate Archibald, now? Who the fuck is that? I. Oh my oh, god, oh, the oh, guy on Gossip no. Girl. 
Calm down, calm down, Tom. We'll, we'll get to it, but we will, we will. Not not in the next section. I think it's in the section after I thought that, it was this one. He's the next person I wrote down. Yeah. I think he, I think you're going to have to wait just a little longer. But before I move on, I just want to ask, did, did we have any other, um, you know, positive praise to play upon the seasoned voice actress squad? Oh, yeah. Shout out to them for time? having issues with Japan's fucking child services. Rightfully so. Like, yes. apparently, like, hours. apparently this has been, like, a long thing in anime, like, about how Japan's child service checks suck ass. Uh, because I was talking about this with some friends uh, on my Discord. And I was talking about how much I really like the end of this movie. And somebody goes, yeah, I think it was Josh. who was like, yeah, Higurashi prepared me for the fact that Japanese Child Protective Services fucking sucks. Wow. So that's not just a trope. That's like an actual... Yeah, apparently it was also a, an important subplot and erased. You know what? I never thought about that. Like, I knew that it was uh, calling out the... Uh, abusive parents, but I didn't pick up on the fact that, yeah, why didn't Protective Services step in a little bit sooner? Man, it's like, Protective Services Worldwide sucks ass! I mean, we just got I just got uh, done re-listening to Odd Taxi, and I thought that Protective Services were a little more up and up, but then I realized, wait, no, it's not the Japanese system that takes care of the character who loses their parents. It's the mafia! It's the Yakuza who takes care of them. The Yakuza helping Japan. I mean, have you played the Yakuza games? I think that's a plot point in the Yakuza games. Of course I haven't. We're going to talk about more video games here that I haven't played in just a bit. Oh boy. But yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, so I'm glad that they they got that little bit of uh, social commentary in here. And yeah, as far as voice acting, I think that this quartet of women is uh, a lot of fun and needed to be in the movie more. Or at least their actresses did. Uh, someone who did not need to be in the movie more are the next two characters we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Justin and we're going to talk about Kai and Tomo's dad. Now mm-hmm. why do we talk about these two put together? We'll get we'll get to that guy from that show. I thought but he first was we talk I thought he was Justin. He is. Uh, Oh, yes, you're right. I'm sorry, my credits are written backwards here. You okay, so we'll put talk down about her boner him. for nothing? <laughs> well, look, that lady boner's got to be kept in check, all right? If you if you overfeed it, it's going to explode. What is it, a fucking gremlin? Don't masturbate after midnight or you'll get a second clitoris? Would that be so bad? <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so, so why are we talking about these now two? Now Chris so, can't find your about- buttons. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. At last, finally, we resumed control. On this episode of Gossip Girl. And so, we return to our regular schedule. On this very special episode of Summer at the Movies. (laughs) What what happens when the female libido gets just a little out of control? Well, it's... We call it Shimonetta. So, uh, in this movie, we've, uh, you know, we've, we're adapting Beauty and the Beast because Belle is like Belle, Beast is the Beast. So we got to have a Gaston character in here, and that is Justin in this movie. Justin is the leader of a internet task force uh, that essentially takes down people who aren't behaving themselves. Uh, he's set up as a nightly character. And every and morning he eats two dozen NFTs, and now he's roughly the size of a barge. 
cue the musical number. So that's why we're, we're, we're grouping him in this section here because uh, just like Gaston, he might not be as good as he come as he initially comes across. But and someone who is really, really not uh, good at all is Kai and Tomo's dad. And yeah, I'm not just mixing up his name because this is what we remember him as. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have any identifying characteristics except for the fact that he is the dad to the characters of Kai and Tomo, who we will talk about in a bit. And he is the world's biggest piece of shit. Him and Justin are competing Justin. for it. We were. Well, I. Justin's just kind of doing his job. This dad is. Is he though? Is, is, is he though? Yes, he was given a laser to show people who you really are, and that's just what because he was be given the power to dox people doesn't mean he's a good guy. Oh, I didn't say he was a good guy. I just said that he's uh, doing what he's supposed to do. Dads are not supposed to be domestic abusers, which is exactly what. This yes, guy and is. neither is just and Justin is not to be abusive on the internet. Look, do you really want me to rank between the two of these guys? We just I mean, say that yes, Kane's homeless dad is higher, but I'm not letting Justin off the hook. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I don't want to let him off the hook either. Uh, just like I don't want to let their actors off the hook. So, yes, yes, let's get that lady boner back on screen here. Let Gigi's, let Gigi's come on screen. Jesus so, G- Christ. So, so Justin is voiced by Chase Crawford. And the dad is voiced by Kiff Vandenhevel. Uh, Chase, uh, you know, he hasn't really done a whole lot. Uh, he's really not done a whole lot of voiceover work because the only voiceover work I could find in his resume is he's done bit voice roles in shows like Robot Chicken and Family Guy. Um, you may have seen him in a recent show called The Boys. He plays The Deep. Um, but to everyone listening and probably most people around the world, he got his notoriety playing a certain character named Nate Archibald in this it, it's hardly known show called Gossip Girl. Um, <sighs> someone in this call has heard about it before. God, I love that show. What is it? I have n- I've heard of it, it's, but I've never seen it. It's I, teenage white girls doing terrible things. They're all rich, and they all live in New York, and they all like drink a lot of champagne underage. And it's uh, it's wonderful, and it's also a book series which has absolutely nothing to do, pretty much, with the TV show, except the characters' names and vague descriptions are sort of the same. Gotcha. Yes, I read all the books. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. I fucking love Gossip Girl. It's fucking garbage, and it and fucking Chase Crawford plays the world's biggest himbo, Nate Archibald. Okay, Which is why so this he, casting choice works. Anyway, talk about the other guys Chase so I can like. Not, I'm sorry, but Justin is uh, not a himbo. Yes, he is a himbo. No, he is not. He is a himbo. No, 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 no. Oh no, no. Does we are going to have a fucking women? discussion about this. Does he Himbos, Gigi, have three rules. They must be big. They must be stupid, and they must stupid. be kind. Justin is none of those. He is, he is two, two out, out of three. three. <laughs> That is not that enough. That is not enough. There's a term for it, only to He's too he is a mean Chad. to be a himbo. He's a- I guess Chad would probably be more. Yes, he's yes. a Chad, not a himbo. A himbo is con. Kamishin is a himbo. I don't know a- who a- that is. Gigi, I would not let you group Justin in the same category that includes illustrious a- uh, characters like Kronk from the Emperor's New Group. Or Gallo. Yes, like, or, yeah, Gallo from Promare. Eh. Uh, you don't want to get me started on the Promare train. 
And th- okay, that's going to be another bonus podcast episode. No, where we just... it's not. The do Himbo not episode like, coming soon. Do you soon. not like Promare? I hate Promare. I think we talked about this a little we bit. We did. We talked about episode. it in our in our movie. I I do not like Promare. And it is well, 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 It is for yeah. a reason that is probably my own fault, but I just really did not like it and it lied to me. I love you. <laughs> I love you, but this is this feels like a betrayal. <laughs> I'm sorry if I hadn't had been told it was the gayest movie I would ever see. And then the gay part was not even the gay part. It was fucking faked. Then maybe I would have liked it more. It also tried to give me a seizure. Okay. Fair, but it is still well then. That, that, I mean, yeah, I think, I do think they, they kind of oversold the gay part in the Promare buildup, but I feel like that was more the fandom, not really like the official marketing. Because I don't think the marketing was all like, it's the gayest thing ever. They got married in blush. official merchandise. They did. They For fuck's sakes, Gigi, her, the robot is one of them topping the other. It was not enough. Well, it, well I mean, that that's typical mecha things, you know. It was not enough. I feel lied to and betrayed. Well, you know who else betrayed people uh, is the dad in this group here? Because he, we'll have words about him. But how do you voice such a colossal, awful, domestic abuser person? Why, you get Kiff to voice him. Um, not, not that he's uh, an abusive person, uh. um, but he's definitely have, he's had experience uh, voicing one in particular. Now, I could list off some of the voiceover roles he's done. Like, he's Greg in The Crude's Family Tree TV show. Or he plays a side character of Ambrose in the Tom and Jerry cartoons. Not the the ones from the 40s, but like the new 2010s one that was on Cartoon Network. Uh, he even, uh, he was doing stuff as recently as uh, this year, because he voiced Obadiah Stane in the Marvel What If series, because getting um, Jeff Bridges back was just a little too expensive. Um, but I have a feeling that most people here are going to know him for one particular video game. And that is... Playing the character of Comstock in Bioshock, a game which I have not played. Oh and man! I don't know. Oh it man! Is. Fucking Comstock. Was it Bioshock or Bioshock Infinite? Yeah, Bioshock. Oh Infinite, man, sorry. that's a fucking game. That's a game I that has not that. aged well. I don't know anything. About I played. That. I played I all of. <laughs> let's just say he's a very alt-right politician in that game. Mm. Oh great! Yeah, it's Wonderful. it's that game is a lot. <laughs> that game is that game is really trippy. It's a lot, and it's the only FPS game I think I've ever finished the story for. Oh, and that includes okay. Splatoon. Oh man, I've never finished the story more for for voice acting. Let's talk about voice You're acting. Listen. Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Nate Archibald here and. Um, now, this is where I think we were talking earlier about how um, the this is a named voice. Uh, and, I'm sorry, a named actor. Like, he's literally the first name on the Yeah, the which is kind of DVD. bullshit. Uh, you're not wrong. It's, uh, it's not like he's the most prominent person in the movie. Justin shows up, like, three times. He shows up when the Beast first shows up to kind of explain the task force he's in charge of. He's interrogating to try to find the castle. He burns the fucker down. And then he's just—he's a plot device near the end of the movie. Um, but his—I mean, to be like, fair, Gaston voice, is also a plot device. 
but he's a hunky plot device. But he he had a little more depth to him in the in that movie. But in this movie, uh, his voice is the archetypal um, like stoic. No, not stoic's not the right word. Um, like jock male kind of character he's that, voice. He's that and, alpha businessman male voice. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sorry, I'm kind of blanking on, like, uh, a comparison or, a, I'm sorry, an equivalent role from another anime to compare it to at the moment. But it, it didn't bug me. Like, even though he's a celebrity with uh, very little voice acting experience, it's not like this character I felt called for a whole lot of nuance to begin with. So I, I, I like mean, I, I was fine with the archetype just the way it was. I'm not as much fine with it because I do think that Justin's character is a little bit more nuanced or at least... I don't think you're giving what the character stands for enough. Okay. Um, I think that Justin is... He he himself is a shitty person. But I think he represents kind of a lot of what ends up being um, kind of what the big fever dream is. The fever is of the movie, which is the right to how much society deems internet society can deem someone to become unworthy of the persona that they have. Because a big thing that they make very clear early on is that, wow, from Suzu and Hiroka's perspective, that is, wow, Justin must be such a good person if all of these corporate sponsors are behind him and what he's doing. <laughs> like, that was a little on the nose. He's clearly <laughs> was like, a uh, good much. person. And, and a lot of what the early parts of this movie, when the dragon is introduced, is that essentially Hiroka and, and, and Suzu try to dox him. And a lot of the movie is spent trying to figure out who the dragon is. From Suzu's mm-hmm. point, it's, it's a curiosity thing of, I want to know who you are. Hiroka kind of takes it as... Well, you ruined my best friend's performance. How dare you? I want to get revenge on you for ruining her moment. But for everybody else, it becomes this huge big spectacle of we're going to out this person no matter who they are, what they did, what their life is, because it has become a big mysterious game and Justin is the big hero in it and we want to find out who he is because everybody else said that we should find out who he is. Except for little kids. All the little kids on you love him and don't want him outed. Mm -hmm. They think he's a hero. Because we don't understand until later on, uh, later on about it. It's probably likely that everyone's like, oh, he just gets into fights just to beat people up. It's probably that the dragon, as you learn later on, was probably defending people from bullies on you because that's why... He took on this appearance based off of his feelings. It is yeah, the appearances in the in the virtual reality aren't just like customizable. I want to look like this. It's, it's a direct reflection of, you of your and persona, the, who you yeah. want to be. Like how Suzu uh, well, not- ends up looking like Ruka because she thinks Ruka is popular and pretty, but deep down she still wants to be herself. That's why Belle has the freckles. Mm-hmm. So to me. What Justin represents is an eventual rejection of the idea of doxing for sport. In a sense that Justin exists not to quote-unquote be the law because you needs law. It's 
I'm the law because people are doing things on the internet that I don't like and I want to get rid of them. But people don't, but people think I'm being a good guy because I make that person look like an asshole. Therefore, when I do shine my light on them and unveil them as the person they're trying to hide uh, and show everybody Mm -hmm. what a freak and a weirdo they are, I'm still in the right and I have all this backing. It's why when at the towards the end of the movie in the penultimate song um normally the person who gets changed back in the beauty and the beast story is the beast in this case mm-hmm. it's bell and in suzu asserting her own agency to reclaim the idea that she had to be bell for anyone to listen to her because that's what justin says nobody cares that suzu is a mousy nobody but when it came down to it Suzu being a mousy nobody who shared the same trauma as Kay and Tomo because one of the big things that you see early on in the movie and I do think that the twist with Kay and Tomo is actually set up really well via subtle hints um, okay and uh, yeah, I will disagree with that, that later on is that early on in the movie you see a news thing with Kay and Tomo's dad talking about how they lost their mo- their mother and they're trying to keep yeah. it together Sure, sure. It was included early it was, on. Right. I think, I and there are that. other things like about how the angel is always the first person to find Belle, because to them, Belle is something, Belle is a mousy nobody like them, in a sense, because the first thing you see when Belle starts singing the first time is everybody calls her a drama queen, blah, blah, blah. So to me, the idea that Chase Crawford gives just a serviceable performance to Justin is not really fair to what Justin represents thematically. I think that you could have had a more established voice actor come in and give it that little bit more depth. And I, of all things, a little more threatening. Because I never felt menace or threat. That's what I think Menace or threat from Chase's Justin. Because, like, they set up the laser being a huge fucking deal. And Mm -hmm. despite the fact that the actress who plays Belle does a really good job of feeling really scared in those moments. Yeah. I don't think Chase's performance is as threatening to live up to it. If anything, he sounds more annoyed that he's having to go through all this. When it's kind of clear to me that I think Justin's getting off on the chase. Like, this is a huge deal for him. Because it's going to make him look even better than he already does. He's going to out the dragon who's been causing all this trouble, and he's going to be the hero. If he's going to be, he is the Gaston figure into this, along, honestly, with Kay and Tomo's father. Um, he doesn't have, like, that's the one thing, too, is if we're going to, this is a Beauty and the Beast story, and if we're going to compare it to, arguably, what is the most famous rendition of Beauty and the Beast being the 1992? 1991. Of course it was the year it came out. It was born the year it came out. Uh, 1992 was the year Aladdin came out, thank you very much. And there was no movie in 1993 because they were trying to make The Lion King. And so that came out in 94. And uh, take the mic away from me. I've got too much to do. But like, if you compare how Kara's... Here's the other thing too. I don't think the Casey's Justin performance was also charismatic. Like when I think of a Gaston figure... They have to be as much threat as mu- as they are charismatic because the rest of the townspeople have to be in on their shit. 
And I think that Chase's performance was just a little bit of a letdown, especially compared to some of the some of the actresses were about to, actors and actresses were about to talk about. And then Kip, I think, actually does a really good performance for how little he has to do. Like that scene in the rain where he's screaming at at Suzu. He's powering up in the rain, and, and he's going to try to punch her. But in that moment, yeah. he realizes he can't. Because deep mm-hmm. down, like Justin, he is a coward who hides behind the power that he has. Like, the only reason he thought he could get away with Kay and Tomo is because he did like Gaston did. He put on a face outside to the world for everybody to see. And it's only when Tomo was streaming did anybody catch them. And even mm-hmm. then, like the doxing, people saw it as a funny joke. It was funny funny to them to watch poor Tomo get picked on by his dad and abused and just see kids. Yeah, that was and it's that was very emblematic of internet culture. That, and like... Yeah, it was. And I think that that brutality is needed because of where the movie goes where it's, with its message. And I think Kip did a really good... His name is Kip, right? Kip. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I keep on thinking of Futurama Kip, that's why. Um... But overall, like, I really like Kip's small performance. I do think Chase did a serviceable job, but I do think a more established voice actor could have brought a little bit more depth to Justin's performance. Yep. I'm sorry, that was very long. No, no, I agree with a lot of the things that you said. And I fucking love Chase Crawford. I love Chase Crawford. Nate Archibald, again, the ultimate himbo, which is why the whole time I was watching (laughs) Justin, I was like, oh, okay, the ultimate himbo but like i didn't get any intimidation from him like i didn't get anything threatening like at least at the end of beauty and the beast when gaston is up on the the roof in the rain like Mm -hmm. he is like scary or like when he's throwing bell's dad into the the cage or whatever yeah like he's scary and so like the gaston figure here is supposed to be a mixture of justin and those kids dad and Kip did an amazing job. He was way more threatening and intimidating than Justin was. And like, I just like, he chase, I think tried like he doesn't really have experience in this kind of work. And so I think he did the best that he could, but it's hard to, to overcome the stereotypes. And I have not seen the boys, so I don't know what his character is in the boys, but it's hard to overcome the stereotypes of a character that you're mostly known for, who is like the biggest himbo. And, you know, I'm sure I'll get hate <laughs> from other Gossip Girl fans who have have watched it. To, don't spoil me either. I'm still on season four. Like, I still don't know who Gossip Girl is. Please don't Jesus tell Christ. me. How many seasons are there of the show? Six or seven. Gosh darn. But like I I really hated the end of season three and then I stopped watching it. Um and now I just turned on season four again, like right before we started recording this, because god damn, I love I love <laughs> I love Chase Crawford. Even though I'm sure you'll all know this, that I am a Chuck Bass girl. Chuck Bass, the scum of the earth. Yes, we know how that works. 
Um, but yeah, he just wasn't intimidating. Like the voice wasn't intimidating. I wanted, I wanted a lot more, especially cause his name was so high on the poster. And like, before I knew anything about mm. this movie, I was like, holy shit, Chase Crawford is going to be in this. And then I, it took me a couple scenes to figure out who he was. And then I was like, oh, that's weird. Does his voice in this movie, does Chase's voice as Justin sound at all like Nate in Gossip Girl? No, because Nate is kind of like really laid back and kind of like a stoner. And he's like the quintessential prep boy. Like he, Hmm. it's not like this at all, which it's like Hmm. a complete, like you have to get to that point to be very intimidating and sound very threatening. And I just, he didn't do it. And like I said, I haven't seen him in the boys, so I don't know. Anything else he's acted in, except I think he was in like a movie that I watched once a long time ago. Um, But I think Kip did an amazing job. I wish they could have pulled more out of Chase. But to be fair, out of the quote unquote, you know, famous people who are in this cast, he is not the worst. Quote unquote. Oh, I think I know which one you think is not going to be the best one. And we'll we'll get to that in a bit. We'll get to that. Yeah, no, I agree Uh, with you, Megan. Now, see, I can't entirely agree on the uh, the sense that Chase's performance needed to be more threatening and intimidating, because here's the difference. Justin is not a romantic interest at all. Gaston, in all adaptations that he's been included into, be it the, uh, the original Jean Cocteau movie where he first got introduced, or the Disney version, or any mm-hmm. other adaptations that have included a Gaston character... He's supposed to be a romantic interest to Belle, and Justin is not at all. He, he has no romantic interest in Belle. In fact, it, his inclusion in this felt very tertiary. Like, we need to have a Gaston character, but him being a romantic interest to Suzu would throw off the dynamic of the movie. So we're just going to keep some of his elements. And those elements are that he is uh, a mascot hero to the denizens of this internet, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, he thinks he's better than the people that he hunts, quote-unquote. So yeah, again, I I don't agree with these two exactly in that Chase needed to be that different. I think the way that he was directed was just as wishy-washy as the character itself was written in here. I don't know why they felt the need for this to be a Beauty and the Beast adaptation. It's like, there were enough elements mixed in here with the the internet doxing culture, the mm-hmm. overcoming your anxieties, and just the modern-day internet setting that it doesn't tie into the original Beauty and the Beast story at all. To be fair, it took me until they got to the castle to realize, holy shit, it's just a Beauty and the Beast adaptation. <laughs> that was so obvious! That was, like, so on the nose. Like, okay, we don't have a teapot or a candle, but we've got AIs! That's that's our it's all you get, people. Uh, yeah, it's it's just yeah, I got got issues with the writing in this movie, and Justin is not the worst part at all. It's like he doesn't show up enough in this movie to be a problem. He's just he's there when he needs to be, and the voice is serviceable enough with the trope that this kind of character in other media fits. I'll definitely agree though that Kiff is a uh, standout for the lines that he has. That scene in the rain where he is. Uh, you know, venting his frustrations about, uh, you know, encroaching on his family and telling him what to do uh, is really sad to see because as a dad myself, I know people can get into that headspace sometime of 
they want to protect their family, they want to keep their family together, but they don't have anyone to keep them in check. And I haven't dealt mm -hmm. with this, obviously, but when you lose uh, your wife um, or a loved one who was kind of your calming agent, um, you don't know how else to act. You only know the growl, protect side of things. You don't know the nurture and comfort side. And that's what Kiff definitely embodied in this performance of... Uh, it, it's kind of a straw man character. Like It's like he was clearly written to just be a piece of shit embodiment of what's wrong with the child protective services in Japan. But god dang it, he was an effective one. And that was a downer. Can, can we have some more fun characters in the next section, maybe? I think so. All right, let's do that. Let's move on from doxing and domestic abuse to the best friend squad. We're going to talk about four characters who are good buddies of our main character and deserve to, uh, I, I don't know, like maybe get an OVA about them. Uh, so the four that we're going to talk about are we're going to talk about Hiroka Betsuyaku, who is our best friend character and computer otaku mm -hmm. nerd. We have Ruka Watanabe, who is a kind of a popular, she's the popular girl we see at the beginning of the movie, and but she's not stuck up at all. She's a very uh, nice individual who also gets uh, wrapped up into the events of Suzu's life near the end of the movie. Then we have two guy characters. We have Shinjuru or Kamishan Chikami, who is the um, do I, uh, this guy would be more of a himbo, don't you think, Yes, Megan? he is the himbo. Yes, yes, he is a kayaking club individual who is just fun and happy. He's like, he's like a golden retriever turned into a human. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we've got to have the stoic best friend character who proposed when they were kids. We've got to have Shinbo Hisatake, who, again, he, he's the popular one in the school, to the point that when the other girls think that he's interested in Suzu, they start a war that has to be turned into a World of Warcraft CGI scene? That I thought it was Fire Emblem. Or was it Fire Emblem? I was going to say, it's okay. some World of Three, Three Kingdoms shit. I mean, well, the the graphics definitely looked like, like any kind of those like turn-based RPG video games. It was, it was very odd. I don't know why they felt the need to do that. But anyways, th this guy's popular, and the girls are jealous bitches. Mm -hmm. So so who voices these four characters? Um, this is going to be fun to talk about. One of them is, I'm going to have a lot of fun talking about. Hiroka is voiced by Jessica DeSisso. I've known her name for years, and I've never been able to figure out how to pronounce it properly. I apologize, Jessica. Ruka is voiced by Hunter Schaefer. Kamishin is voiced by Brandon Eggman. Hey, that's a name we talked about earlier. Well, we'll get to that later. And Chinobu is voiced by Manny Jaquinto. Uh, I'm going to go in reverse order here. Uh, Manny Jaquinto, uh, you probably might not have actually seen much he's been in because uh, he's only really had like bit parts in uh, shows like uh, Bates Motel, Once Upon a Time, and Supernatural. Are you kidding? Um, but, but if you're like Gigi and you watch The Good Place... You probably know him as the character of Jason. Jason Mendoza from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. He's that guy from The Good Place. Yeah, he I makes out with Nick Jonas's wife. It's good times. So, I don't know what that means at all. Oh, my God. Uh, but I, I think it's Nick I, Jonas's wife. I'm pretty sure. Continue. Well, I'm going to look it up. 
go do that. Um, but uh, yeah, you may have noticed that those are all live action performances. Manny has not done any other voiceover work as far as I can tell, but that's okay because in one year from now, you will be able to hear him on a new Disney Channel show. That's right, in production right now, there's a new Disney Channel show called Haley's On It, where Manny will voice the best friend character of Scott. Oh, nice. So he will have more voiceover work by the time that a year has passed. I mean, they probably recorded it all by now. Uh, going up the list, uh, Brandon Eggman voicing uh, Kamishin. We know him because we talked about him on the Weathering With You episode. Because the only voiceover work he has done is in all G-Kids released theatrical films. He's been in this. He's been Hadoka in Weathering With You. Which one was and Hadoka he was again? the lead boy. Oh, he was so the, much the better than this. The, the, uh, yes, he is. Because I had... I, you can go back and listen to the episode, but I had issues with him in that movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, he's also a Cuneo in Lou Over the Wall. And aside from bit parts in shows like Law & Order SVU and After Forever, that's pretty much Brandon's uh, legacy on uh, this podcast. We know him for those three movies. Sorry, it's uh, not so- Nick Jonas's wife. That's my bad. Nick Jonas's wife is somebody else. Gigi, I, I trusted you. I, I, I was going to take that information to be truth of law. She, I, uh, they don't even look alike. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know anything about The Good Place. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. <laughs> Jason sorry. Mendoza! Uh, so, sorry, okay. Ruka Watanabe, uh, voiced by Hunter Schaefer. Um, so this is another person who hasn't really been in a whole lot so far, but will probably get a little more notoriety if you are much of a fan of trashy high school programming like Euphoria, because Hunter plays the character of Jules in that show, a show which IMDb simply describes as the escapades of teenagers and their sex and drugs. It's edgy. It's on HBO Max. I haven't seen it. it. I don't want to say anything about it. But Zendaya is in it. Yeah, they're the lead. I don't know what that means. Zendaya is an actress. Okay. Noah, have you seen the the uh, the recent Spider-Man movies with the tiny little British boy? The recent Spider-Man movie. I no, I actually I haven't seen the um um. What's his? Have you, God, um, what, have you seen Tom the Holland greatest showman movies? I've only heard the soundtrack. I never actually sat down to watch the. Did movie. you watch right, Space well, Jam: A New Legacy? You know what? You're gonna murder me for this, but no. Uh, oh, for thank some God. reason, my enthusiasm I watched for it. Joy was completely non-existent. Didn't okay. watch that one. It was really bad. It is really bad. But it also led to the phrase "LeBron James is banned at Evo." Um. <laughs> let's see. Anyway, we but can't it, help you with uh, Euphoria. Let's okay. move on. Okay. That's no, right. hold on. Did you watch no, the okay. new Dune? I haven't even seen the original Dune. Fucking Christ. Um, what? we can't I, help him. We can't help no, him. No, 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 we're gonna fucking figure this out. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, no, I'm just gonna list off that Hunter is also, uh, going to be in a new Hunger Games movie coming up. Uh, they're going to play the, the character of Tigress Snow in Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So look forward to that next year. No. Or not, if you're not a fan and of that. I love franchise. the Hunger Games. I can't take any more. Well, you know what? Those three were just the warm-up, because I came on this particular episode, I wanted to host it, just to talk about Jessica. Because I have been a big fan of Jessica for years. She is like an actual American voice actor who has been in a ton of stuff and has a really distinct voice to her. 
Uh, if you're a 2000s kid, you probably saw The Buzz on Maggie on Disney Channel. Well, she played the lead character of Maggie in that. Uh, if you're watching HBO Max and you watch Close Enough, she plays Candace in that. Great show. Uh, it, I, yes, it is, and I'm sorry that it's not getting a continuation. Uh, but I know her most because... Uh, do you guys know that in the mid-2000s, Warner Brothers took the Looney Tunes and made them superheroes? No. Yes. Okay, so there was this amazing show called Lunatics Unleashed. It was set in the far future of 2772, and the Looney Tunes were superheroes. They had superpowers, they lived in a, like a super angular anime world, and the character of Lexi, who was like the descendant of Lola Bunny... Ah was voiced by Jessica in that show Fun. and she has she has the superpower of like laser blasts out of her ears I'm sorry I can't believe you don't know who Zendaya is even yeah, I know who it, Zendaya is I know who Zendaya yeah, gonna, is I, and I literally don't watch American television look I, I'm gonna well I don't either so it's not like I would I need to know well apparently I do know I do need to know Zendaya okay I'm looking it up right now Zendaya Okay, I'm looking through the... Ca- I'm going to go look through her cast list here. Um, She's dating Tom Holland. I, I'm seeing that. Like, they're I, super I, That's cute. one of the first things that pops up. Well, Tom Holland is cute, so anyone he dates is going to be cute as well. I, You know what? That's not the point. The point is, is that we just went over the cast list of who is all in this. I'm going to look through Zendaya's entire cast list here. I want you two to tell me why... Brandon is better in this movie than he is in Weathering You. Let's also, start with that. I want to say this. I want to give G-Kids, it, uh, Stephanie Shea and Michael, a huge round of applause for casting Hunter Schaefer as yes. Ruka. Because Hunter Schaefer is, a tra- is trans. And to see, especially uh, given uh, certain news in the gaming sphere, uh, Stay Mad Hose, Bridget's trans. <laughs> um, oh, that's been fun to watch. I love the one. If I wanted to trick straight men, I'd sell NFTs. Um, but no, uh, letting a trans actor play a cis character is amazing, and more uh, anime companies should be doing that. Uh, and also, you know, oh, yeah. let trans ca- trans people play trans people. Stop. I mean, we had, yeah, we had, we had the breakout in um, you know Tokyo Godfathers. Uh, I think it was like two years ago. I mean, I did not realize that Ruka's uh, actress was trans when I watched the movie. It was not something that even crossed my mind. Yeah, also, uh, I didn't either. I looked it up afterwards. Yeah, also, shout out. We are not talking about them yet, but shout out to uh, the Lee uh, to places like uh, for like uh, Jujutsu Kaisen for having a trans lead for Ao Aoshi. And uh, the Requiem of the Rose King and Parallel Pharmacy, Parallel World Pharmacy, all have trans leads. Let's start with Kamishin because he's the best out of. He's the second best character here. He's the second best. Yeah, he's the best male character by yeah, far. Yeah, let's be and real. Also- Shinobu's got the like got the appeal of like white bread dipped in milk. Ah, he's our Otome protag. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, he is pretty gonna much. Our, he's gonna be our Kamishin Edward Cullen. For ladies, the go for that's an appeal to some go people. Go for a Kamishin in your life. Oh my god, Kamishin's the best. Kamishin is. is such a good boy. Well, I think you you two just uh, explained the problem right there. He's not broken, so you can't fix him. So what's the appeal? 
He's funny. He's funny. And he's he's dedicated and he's driven. And he's willing to get interested in the same things I am. Listen, we don't want to have to fix every guy. When we say I want to fix him, we mean like small personality quirks like murder. <laughs> but look, just tiny look, little things. Ryanosuke Akutagawa has murdered people, but I know that that man could cook and do the dishes. Osamu Dazai would not. He'd put milk in coke. That sounds. That, ouch. That sounds less like I can fix him and more like I can salvage part of him. You're not wrong, but. But Kamishin is a good boy, and he has a good voice actor, despite what you said in the other podcast, Noah. I, no, he no, wasn't. He's, he's, okay, okay, to be mo- fair, okay. I'll be. Okay, to be fair, I will say this. The lead in Weathering with You sucks. As a character. I liked him. He was terrible. Hold on. on. Uh, No. The character or the actor? The character. Oh, well, yeah. That character's us. Like, (laughs) not even God himself could act through that paper bag. I mean, I... I I liked Weathering with you. I like Weathering... I still will die on the hill that I like Weathering with you better than your name. Okay, now we are going to actually fist fight. Um, (laughs) Okay, but break it up, break it up, break it up, break it up, break it up. But no! Brandon Eggman is better in this. You're right, he's better in this because he gets to be goofier. He gets to actually be a character. Yeah, he gets to be a fun character who doesn't really impact the plot a whole lot. Yet he does! Yet he does! how does he impact the the central conflict of he the helped plot? save k and tomo fuck off um oh okay yeah oh he helped identify where they also are also b i think he helped in the sense of break like really helping suzu out of her shell because he never felt really weird about just approaching suzu like a bunch of other people did because remember, when Suzu eventually talks to Ruka and they have this kind of moment, she talks about how no one likes to go near her because they think she's all mopey. But Kamishin never set, never felt like that about her. Kami, to Kamishin, she was just another person. Also, B, I will not mm-hmm. lie that that train scene between Kamishin, Ruka, and Suzu is one of the funniest things I've seen all year. Um, oh my god, it's oh, yeah. so awkward. It's fucking... But it's such... It's so real, like, it's like the enjoyable, uh, romantic misunderstanding. I, I agree, I, I got a chuckle out of that. Just the, and the fact that it's done with, like, nods, mm-hmmm's, and just shaking the head, and then they're like, we like Belle, and Belle, and Susan's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I, I think the reason I like Kamishin is that, like, in the movie, I, I don't think he needed to be as impactful on the plot. He helped to to kind of like expand Suzu's world outside of what Bell could do. Because at the end of the day, Bell only exists online. Bell is Suzu, but she also isn't Suzu. And I think that the fact that Kamishin is just, you know, a nice guy is there and the fact that it also i think helps to alleviate the idea of there being a really unneeded love triangle so yeah that i liked his performance yeah i loved him i like it's so nice to hear him in a role that was more animated because yes the guy in weathering with you was just like i have a gun oh no my girlfriend is up in the sky I, I have, still really how, liked how it, and I, I still really liked his acting in it, but, like, it just 
he's better here. My question, I still have oh, a yeah. question in that movie, which is how did somebody in Japan get a gun? Uh, he just runs across it. Like, it, someone accidentally threw it away. It, 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 they do the same thing in Odd Taxi, too. Some gun was hidden and random person just digs it up. He got the ultimate loot drop, basically. Man, I watched this Conan movie, Detective Conan movie, about how hard it was to get a gun into Japan. And now, like, weathering with you has lost all meaning. Anyway. But no, he's great, but oh my god. Shinobu, why? <laughs> I'm s- okay, I'm sorry, yeah. you guys. Like, it's Danny Mendoza. Like, I know you probably guys haven't seen The Good Place, but I watched all of it, and I don't finish things very often. And, like, Manny Jacinto in The Good Place is, like, fucking off the wall. He's, like, supposed to be the comic relief. He's, like, he's literally a himbo. Like, he's really? stupid. Stupid as fuck. Oh, he's also in fucking Top Gun Maverick. He is? Yeah, I didn't mention I didn't mention that, but, yeah, he's in the new Top Gun movie. God, I didn't even recognize him. Maybe he's a better actor than I'm giving him credit for right now. Blah, 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 blah. Actually, well, no, because he was with... really bad in this movie. I'm sorry. Like, Shinobu, well, I know, okay. is supposed to be, like, the stoic guy and, like, doesn't mm-hmm. talk a lot. But damn, like, he just... It it was just so flat. Like, what happened? Yeah, it is possible to have a, a, a stoic character without the monotone, like, uh, you know, like, dead inside kind of vibe That's to it. That's the thing is, he, and is, he is by far, I think, the worst performance in the movie. Yeah, 1,000%. And I'm sorry, Mr. Danny Mendoza from Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars! You guys gotta watch The Good Place. Like, it will fuck you up, but it is so amazing. There's an entire list of, like, schlocky uh, CW programming you've recommended that I will never get around to. Well, this was on, like, ABC. And has Kristen Bell in it. And Ted Danson. Like... Well, that that means it's schlocky CW fair with a budget. Oh my god! No, it's anyway, not. The good place is fucking great. The good place is fucking amazing, but it's just kind of like, like what happened? Like honestly, like how did how did it get from casting to here? Like I just don't understand. Like it. I get Shinobu is supposed to kind of be like that big silent dude. Do you want to know what the best part of his performance was? At when the, he wasn't talking. No, at the end of the movie, it was like, oh thank god, I can finally ease up. <laughs> He's like, I can unclench. It just hurt. It hurt me because, like, mm-hmm. oh God, I've seen him do great things. And, like, this was not I it. I mean, is it just me or was the intention of his character almost supposed to be a red herring? Like, you expect him to be the beast for the bulk of the movie. I never thought that it, he No, was I thought beast. he was the entire time. Oh, really? It, I never it, thought that. Yeah, but. Well, because it, it would be very bizarre for them to make the, the hidden identity of the Beast be a character who we haven't seen yet. Like, that's not how whodunits work. And lo and behold, it was a character who we barely knew anything about. And just because he had a brief news segment cameo at 20 minutes into the movie doesn't make it well established. Yes, it does! Like, Fuck it off! It, it would have been, mu- been much more uh, better set up, and honestly, it would have been expected... But what's wrong with being expected if they had made Shinobu the beast I don't think Shinobu would have been a good beast. No. Uh, well, okay, n- not with the way he was written, no. Like, if they had intended for him to be the Even beast, Even if he they was, I don't think pers- it would have worked based on the way, like, 
based on the whole fact that eventually you find out it was Shinobu who ended up saving Suzu from diving in after her mom. Mm-hmm. See, for me, the thing that would have been a better twist is if uh, Ruka was the girl that her mom saved. I thought the beast was sh- uh. was Suzu's dad for most of it. <laughs> that would have been a plot twist. Not gonna <laughs> lie. I was like, oh, he's never here. What is he spending all his time doing? Literally torturing oh people in bar fights. <laughs> That it was a, a super a freaking superhero secret identity thing. I just I that was that was who I thought it was. I thought it was Suzu's dad the whole time, and I mean you know, I didn't hate it that it kind of <laughs> came out of left field. Like they did set you know it up, what? but I wasn't paying that much attention until the second watch. It I mean it I was I don't think it was that well set up. So I don't think it was that you weren't paying well attention. I I just you can kill me. you can kill me, Megan. It's okay, Megan. I've got a backup life in the closet, but I. I was also sobbing uncontrollably through most of this, so. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Shinobu's inclusion in this, again, felt very much like uh, we're we're hiding who the Beast is by having this character who is supposed to be that kind of personality. And it it just, it doesn't matter of ending, because he doesn't hook up with anyone by the end of the movie. Nobody hooks up with anybody! Yeah. Oh, wait, no, Ruku and, well, Ru- Ruka no, Ruka and, uh, and Kamishin, Kamishin get together. I thought they did hook up at the end of the movie, or they, they were, like, in the, in the process of hooking up. And then shit went they down. They were, because they realized they had a thing for each other. So and then that shit was, happened. Yeah, and that, then the plot was... happened. Um, I want to say, though, I really like Hunter Schaefer as Ruka. Yes. I think she definitely I mean, gives the, the peppy, like, girlfriend voice really well. And I would like to point out, thank God this movie did not have her and, Sh- and uh, Suzu be bitchy towards each other. I enjoyed that also. I'm, that, that didn't seem like the kind of personality they wanted to go with. Um, there, there were enough jealous bitches in the cast that they didn't need to make Ruka one of them. Yeah, and I, I really like Hunter's performance because it's definitely upbeat and stuff. And I think that... Com- confession scene she nails the awkward teenage girl yes that's what i that's what i wrote down i was like the awkward parts hit better than the happy popular parts and what helps is that um uh three of these four actors are teenagers themselves or at least they're like i think at this point they may some of them may be in like their early 20s but still closer to high school age than casting you know more grown adults so that genuine awkwardness that is really fun to watch comes off a lot better because that's just closer to the age of the characters. And I do like that uh, Hunter's uh, pitch is like, it's like a slightly lower pitch than some of the other like shrill girls who are like gossiping behind our people's backs because that gives uh, the character of Ruka more of a, a confident sense. You know, Let she's more women have uh, texture control. to their voice. It, it is. <laughs> I like, I love that texture. I love that. Like, Almost uh, like crackle to the voice that comes about when yeah you've got a layer of personality that comes across even from saying very simple dialogue. Also, I wonder if she has a D for voice because she plays saxophone. <laughs> that doesn't your pitch of voice has nothing to do with capacity. the instrument you play. Anyway, I'm being stupid. <laughs> she doesn't play the tuba. You s- never mind. You still have to blow. There's like a specific way you would blow into it too. Anyways. That's true. I used to play French and- horn. Oh, buddy! I played the baritone. Nice. I'm sorry. Let's I'm hear sorry. it for the low brass section. I'm sorry. I laughed so hard. You said that's a specific way you have to blow. What? <laughs> I'm having a dirty mind thought. Please move on. 
You know what? That's fitting because you know who else has a dirty mind? I think Hero has a dirty mind. Hero wants to fuck her old man science teacher. Man, she's the real MVP. Why do all of these anime? Because I'm watching Cardcaptor Sakura just right now. Okay, at least Ruka's like not a fifth grader. That's true. That it's better than than uh, hey, uh, older high school or, uh, elementary school teacher. You want to have lunch with a fifth grader? No, I think they're fourth grade. It's still too young. Too too young. Any, but it doesn't matter because uh, Jessica is having way too much fun, and I particularly love the part where she finds out that Shinobu confessed to Suzu when they were children, and her response is. That doesn't count. You were babies. Oh no, my favorite like she... reaction from her is uh when uh when Kami Sheen says that they're both competing and she goes, You and I are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, every line she's got. Oh yeah, please... no, like her actress is chewing the scenery. Oh, it's amazing. But... And like you can tell that she's more seasoned because like she even has a more cartoony voice. And I said that I've said this before. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds more cartoony. It's not a bad thing. Um because this movie really needs levity bad. Especially oh, yeah, when she's in her, from her new avatar form. Yes. And like the contrast mm. between um Jessica's voice and then the girl who plays Suzu's voice. That's like top notch. That's like super different best friends forever. Like I love, I love that the point part of contrast she, uh, there. I love the part where Suzu is being the tea holder and they're talking to the lady who's the baby and is like, everybody is abusing me. And she's like, as if, and she's like pulling off the disguise as if she's a member of the turtle club. <laughs> Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? Turtle, turtle, turtle. Just, I, I love Jessica uh, DeCio's performance. It is so energetic and lively, but at the same time, it also has those moments where it needs to be down to earth and stuff. Like the part where she's complaining about her mom, and then she realizes that she's doing it in front of Suzu and is like, I am so sorry. The ultimate, ah, oh, I'm being dick a dick, moment. aren't I, moment. Okay, but also, you can definitely hear her more than anybody, except for maybe Christina Valenzuela as Peggy Sue, during A Million Miles Away, when they're all uniting together. You can hear her voice mm-hmm. cracking the most. Because she's, like, I ugly am. fucking sobbing like the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm... I mean, again, I'm just glad that, like, this feels like the performance where they would have gotten the, the A-list celebrity, because it's the one who gets to have the most fun, so you would have, you'd like, oh, let's get, like, a famous comedian. No, you know, I'm let, glad let, they didn't do that. And Thank you're God. You're right, I'm glad they didn't. Yeah. Because the, this ne- this needed an a voice actress, someone who can only use their voice to convey the energy and the mania, and it, it was so great to listen to. God, I love the part where she's just like, she's like, she. I love, I love her first text message. Don't worry, I got you, ho. And then she's like, <laughs> she's doing that, ah ha ha, and then her parents yell at her. <laughs> I told you not to come into the computer room, or whatever it was. She's got like a fucking a fucking business going in here. But it, it's it's legitimate because they donate all of the earnings hey. to charity. Hero, the real MVP. 
Haha, ha, the hero. Get it? <laughs> oh, I get it. Cool. Cool. <laughs> Jason Mendoza. <laughs> Jacksonville That's Jaguars. our takeaway from all of this. <laughs> just, just go out and watch more. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, go watch The Good Place. I I think it's streaming on. I think it's probably. I think right it's on. Now. It's on Netflix. Oh, it's on. Oh, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Okay. All right. Long, long story short, um, we, we spend this whole podcast just giving you recommendations for other things to listen yeah, to. We're don't, bad at our job. Don't watch Bell. Go watch The Good Place. Close no, enough. <laughs> Do watch Close Gossip enough. That's Girl, a, that's a, not the new one. <laughs> well, I think we can. Um, I, I, have we gotten all our thoughts out about the best friend squad here? I'm good. We, we're all in agreement. Yeah. I, I, I know we don't agree on why the characters were put in this movie, but I think we can all agree that, you know, for the range that we got here of personalities, each person is matched to their character, except possibly Shinobu, and that may have just been a wrong actor for the role kind of thing. Because it sounds like his most famous role is the complete opposite of Shinobu. Yes, 1,000%. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, our second-to-last group here. Yes, we are chugging along to get to characters who you don't realize are important until the last 20 minutes of the Fuck movie. Fuck you, you know the and entire time. I mean, maybe you did, but I didn't, because there, there were so many... Okay, we're going to talk about Kay, and we're going to talk about his brother Tomo. And these two are important because Kay, as it turns out is the Beast. He is the mysterious dragon character who has been uh, persecuted by the denizens of Yu, but we find out about who he is. He is a uh, young boy who like is a, a survivor of domestic abuse. I See, I couldn't quite get a gauge on the ages, but okay. I mean, yeah, I was going to say like either early middle school or mid-middle school level, but either way, the reason why he took out the persona of the Beast is because he is protecting his brother Tomo from their abusive father, that piece of shit who we talked about earlier in this episode. Um, so both of them uh, gotta be cast, and we're gonna talk about one of the quirks of NYAV post-dubs that they like to do, which is if there is a child character, they are gonna cast child actors in it. And you know what that means? We're going to talk about two actors who you've never heard of before. Oh, bite me. I've, Probably. I've actually heard of one of them. I mean, I have two, but only because of um, a very popular show that they're in, and that's the only thing that they're in. Uh, so anyways, who are these characters, actors? Kay is voiced by Paul Castro Jr., and Tomo is voiced by Bentley Griffin. Now, Paul Castro Jr. Uh, has parts in a couple of different anime that you may have heard of before. In fact, um, he's much more of an anime person these days. Uh, he played the role of Rikyu in High Rise Invasion. He played both characters of Forseti and Abel in Record of Ragnarok. And I think this is currently ongoing or just ended recently. I'm not sorry. I don't know. Uh, he played the character of Allegro in Vampire in the Garden. It was dropped all at once on Netflix. Okay. Thank you. So that is currently all available to view right now. Uh, but the one who I know is Bentley Griffin, because uh, there, there's this little show on Nickelodeon called The Loud House. Have you guys ever heard of it before? Yeah. Yes. And uh, you know that the lead character is a boy who has ten sisters, right? Yes, yes. we watched the movie. All right. Well, in that movie, uh, the character of Lincoln Loud, the one boy in the family, 
had a different voice actor than who is currently voicing him because uh, the Loud House cycles through uh, actors for Lincoln Loud because they use actual children, so he's got to continuously sound as old as the character. Once they get a little older and their voice changes, we got to change it out. It's like Arthur, basically. And currently, we are on our seventh Lincoln Loud, and you'll never guess who voices him. It's Bentley Griffin! Yay. And that is literally the only thing that it shows up when I research. Like, I couldn't even find, like, uh, theater performances, so he's very new to the voice acting game, but props, he's in a Oscar-nominated movie and a award-winning Nickelodeon cartoon. So I feel like this area is going to get a little contentious, uh, not because of the voice acting, but because of the roles of the characters. So can we just stick to the performances themselves for, for the time sure. being? Sure. I actually really, I actually really want to talk about how much I, I actually like Bentley's performance as Tomo, because okay. it's so soft and broken. And honestly, I don't know if it's he's still traumatized from his mother passing away and how abusive its father is, or if Tomo is neurodivergent. Because I the the reason that it's so hard to watch the scene where the dad yells at him is because mm -hmm. I don't know if Tomo is processing what's happening. Like, I don't... You think he might be compartmentalizing it just to survive? Or he just doesn't have the ability to understand it. And based on how he talks and, like, there... This is one of the reasons why I say the whole, like, it's Tomo and Kay the whole time works. Is that one of the earliest parts of the movie, it, when the dragon first shows up, is uh, all of the kids talking about the dragon. And about how the dragon is really cool. And how he, he helps them. And one of the people you see on that is Tomo. And he talks about him. And just kind of like. It, it's kind of clear that like. Tomo doesn't know how to speak to other people. But Kay is right in the background watching him. And when it comes to finding the dragon's castle. It's the angel who does it. And it's the angel who's the first person to reach out to Belle in her loneliness, in you, in you. He's the first person to follow her. True. He's the first person to, in a sense, connect and believe in her. Like, it, it's it's kind of in a weird way of like, I know Belle, I knew Belle before Belle was popular. It's, he's the one person who saw a lost soul like himself in her and thus brought her to a place that probably was safe so he could be show that to Kay because Kay probably doesn't feel comfortable going out with other people and from what it from what it under like time passes really fast in this movie yes um, it does so it's probably assumed that like it's been a couple of months before the dragon shows up to when Belle is doing that big performance. Mm -hmm. I actually think that the reason that Kay ever becomes the dragon is because someone was bullying Tomo and Mew. Because remember, Tomo streams only to one person. Yeah. yeah. So it's likely that Kay started doing that to protect him. 
I think that the twist with them works amazing, and I have more to say about that when we get to Suzu. And then Paul Castro Jr. does a fantastic job as K and the dragon. He has the beast yeah, growling down. He has that vulnerability and pushing away down. But God, that scene where he starts screaming, I'll help you, I'll help you. We talk to your dad. That was so fucking raw. Because I think that's oh, yeah. a scene that a lot of people who like to nitpick the thing is, well, why didn't they go to other people for help first? It's like right in the well, face that Kay says that they tried and no one yeah. believes them. I mean, that's a common motif in a lot of domestic abuse anything is that they, yeah, no one helped them even when they reached out. And it's also emblematic of how we have a victim culture process in the world where if someone needs help, we blame the person who was being victimized, not the person doing the actual abuse. Exactly. So it's like Justin chasing him down. The dragon is probably not taking out his aggressions in the right way. He crashed a concert. But did he crash a concert because he wanted to or because Justin and the uh, the hit squad were already victimizing him for being a bad person? Because he didn't well, I mean, that... fit in with the rest of how you, you, you went along about doing things. It's not, I don't think the narrative uh, does a good job of making us sympathize with him to begin with, because what's the first thing that we see the Beast doing? It is uh, disrupting Bell's concert. No, well, it is that, but he's attacking other individuals. Like, we've got an entire uh, arena that is supposed to be just for a musical concert, and he barges in attacking, uh, like, massive fighters and needs to be taken down because he's disrupting this event going on. So I'm just saying from a narrative perspective, Maybe that it's was a little messy, but by the time you get start. to the end, I think it works. I love how I said, let's focus on the voice acting and talk and about the... And I did talk about Kay and Tomo's voice acting. I think that... <laughs> Like I said, there's a lot of vulnerability put into both of them, and I especially think that, um, uh, that Brentley does a really good, especially Brentley, being able to get Tomo across so well for a character who is not, I, I like their performances, I think I did a good enough thing. I, it's hard to and talk about like, their performances without putting context to why they are acting like this. So, Gigi, do you have, um, uh, I suppose, a, a similar reaction to uh, just the performances of these two? What just happened? Hold on. Oh, hold on. Yeah. I just heard something drop. Megan, are you still here? I'm here. Oh, okay. Some weird noise just happened. Yeah. It's like when the call drops, but the re the timer's still going. Yeah, no, I'm still recording. I think it was just somebody's phone vibrated. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was buying my dress-up darling acrylic stands on AmiAmi. Um, <laughs> let me hit this pre-order button real fast. Uh, <laughs> fuck my life. Are you getting the car the Marin? Nendo? Yes, I just bought four Marin ones. Oh, you mean the Marin Nendo? Yeah. Yeah, hell yeah! I pre-ordered her like a couple days ago. 
What's it like to have expendable income? Uh, it's called I, I Pay For It When It Comes In in 2023. Anyway. I have no expendable income right now. I can't even pay my car payment, so we won't talk about that. Uh, no, sorry. So... Which, wait, hold on. I just lumped them together. Which one is the dragon guy? Is that Kay? Uh, yep, so that's Paul, and his younger brother is ben- is Bentley. It, it, it's Bentley, not Brentley. Okay. So, little little Bentley, right? Bentley? He's yep. Angel, he baby. Streaming for one. He's baby. He was very cute. It made me happy. It's cute and sad. Like, the sad part didn't make me happy, but he sounded like Baby, which, again, is another NYAV post-casting trope, which I get behind, because I like it when Mm -hmm. they cast the babies. Um, Oh, yeah. And then when Kay, even when he was the dragon, like, you could hear the softer tone and, like, the (laughs) vulnerability behind it, which is just like the Beast in Beauty and the Beast. So... I thought that they both did a really good job. I mean, I've never heard these people in anything before. So I just, mm-hmm. I really, I really liked how they kind of like picked it up. And they're kind of like, I guess like examples of how you don't need to be a really famous actor in order to do good acting in an anime movie. So it really, you know, they did really great jobs with the, the small parts that they had. And like, like I said, like on the first time, Oh, that's why my microphone is being weird. It changed the, Oh God, this whole recording is going to suck. Sorry, it just I like I was like why is my why are my levels so high and it changed my percentage to 100%. Uh-oh. Oh, that'll do yeah, it. Fuck my life. I mean, so sorry. We'll, we'll fix it in yeah, post. Yeah, fix it in post. Um, but I think they both did really good jobs and I I kind of wish that and I don't is this is this the G Kids thing or is this an NYAV post thing where they feel the need to cast television and movie actors in voice acting roles it feels like an nyav thing because they're (laughs) they're pulling from a different talent pool yeah um then um your uh your funimation i'm sorry your crunchy roll your funimation your bang zoom like maybe Um, because they're in um the union aren't yeah post unionized but promare was but promare was a Premier was also union, and that had a lot of uh, a lot of um, actor anime, anime actors. actors. It did, but they're also all in the union. Yeah, and you can have an all union dub with a bunch of people who do voiceover work. Who just yeah, yeah, do anime that, voiceover but, work. We call right, them a lot right. of Aniplex, Netflix dubs. Uh, I'm, I'm conflicted. I oh my god, it like peaked me up all the way again. Why is it doing this? Go back down to okay. where I put you. We'll just lower it when we level out the audio in editing. Sorry, it Sorry. just fact, it just pissed we'll, me off because I literally it's just it's doing it on its own now. Get go fuck yourself, Audacity. You suck ass. <laughs> you know, you brought up a good point that I didn't even consider was um, we had a trend in uh, Ghibli dubs um, back when uh, Disney was you know releasing those in the 
early 2000s where they would there'd be kids in the dub and so they would often get like an actor from their pool to uh market it you know you had that in but, but they'd um, be famous my neighbors they'd be famous kids Totoro. And right, even right. Then, you'd you have, could um, argue that sometimes Chase, it didn't you'd have... always work. Right. Well, most That's of them exactly didn't my point. work. To be, to they be fi- fair, except for David Chase, right, you, because they... she worked. No, no, she did yes, not. Yes, she did. No, I have. No, I did not like Devay Chase in Spirited Away. Not because she's a bad actress. I loved her in Lilo and Stitch. It's because she was misdirected in that movie. And I, that's we not have her a whole fault. episode that's, about that's, that. That's we... the director's fault. No. It is the director's fault, but that doesn't mean the performance was good. Like, there was a good performance in there, but we didn't get to hear it. So you can't say, oh, this is a good actor, because we didn't get to hear the good performance. Well, anyway, I'm glad that the babies were good babies. The end. Yeah, I was honestly... I mean, I was was surprised about how um, uh, they... Because I expected that uh, the Beast's uh, actor was going to be to a character who was playing, like, uh, you know, a a teenager or you know a high school student well, i thought there Thus, were going to be two different then, voice actors i thought there was going to be one who did all the dragon parts and one who was the kid and so when i saw afterwards that it was the same actor i was like completely surprised by it it was it, it was surprising because yeah it was because you can i can hear the pitch in both of them but the intensity of like shouting at bell in the castle scene or the uh the sound effects from fighting and all of that coming out of the same character who is playing a reserved middle school, I'm presuming, kid, is quite the range. And I'm not surprised that Paul has been getting more consistent work in mo- in more recent dubbed anime because that he's definitely got a quality that needs to be shared with the world. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely uh, the characters uh, contrast off each other well. And... Um, yeah, I, I don't have any problems with them. Even though, if I was if I was writing this, if I was writing this movie, I, I would have uh, wove them into the narrative a lot more, so that it wasn't like a twist at the end that was only partially set up throughout. But you know who's not a twist ending that's only revealed in the very last part of the movie? Our lead character. Are you guys ready to talk about the star herself? Yes. Let's talk about the 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 original VTuber. No, not the original, but the, the star VTuber. I was going to say Kizuna Ai is going to come for your ass. Right. She not, is yeah, the real well, MVP. Not when she's done selling uh, NFTs. No, she's not. She does NFTs, I'm sorry. No, not my oh, Kizuna Ai. Well, you know, I don't think Bell is going to sell NFTs, so maybe we should switch loyalties here, which is good because Bell is uh, the secret identity of Suzu Nauto. And as we alluded to it when we started recording, the actor here, I'm going to read you off their entire credits list right now. Everything they've been in. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, that the voice actress for joke. Belle. And, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's give it up for our voice actress, Kylie McNeil, who is, uh, luckily she got her name on the cover because uh, she has done no other acting work. She's a singer before this movie came out. She's still a singer. And this is uh, hopefully going to lead to more of a reputation because she, without spoiling it, she knocks it out of the park in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a range of emotions that Suzu has to perform 
Uh, she's got to be hushed at the beginning. She's got to be reserved. She's got to pretend like she can't sing in one moment where she's like on a bridge and then she gets so anxiety ridden that she actually throws yeah, up. Yeah, that scene and fucking she... hurts me, especially when I realized what song she was singing. Same. This, that scene like hit me in a very bad place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not laughing at you. I'm, I'm. It's amusing that that got the emotion it did out of you. I might be a little more cynical in that I didn't cry throughout watching this movie, but uh, I'm sorry, I didn't ugly cry, but I did tear up at some of the vocal, at some of the um, song performances. They were so beautifully animated, so packed with God, a million miles away, fucking number. They're all just really good numbers, and that's. It sounds like that was the impetus to make this movie in the first place. Um, There's a behind-the-scenes bonus interview with Hasoda on the Blu-ray that goes into why he made this movie. And part of it was imagining what his daughter will be like when she gets older and interacts with the internet world. But it was also trying to make a musical, like an American Broadway style musical. You know what it worked. And this is how they did it. What? That this is an American style Broadway musical. And I loved it. But is it really? Like, you know what? It, it kind of, of is, a... but I, it is, but it isn't. And I don't care. No, I mean, I'm not criticizing it. I'm saying that it's not the kind of musical where the numbers, like, advance the plot. It's like a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical where the show kind of stops for the music. And it's great music, but it does stop the plot before we can keep the story going. Except for a million miles away. That does not stop the plot. Okay, you get one. You get one showstopper that actually is relevant to the plot. Okay, technically it and Lend Me Your Voice, both plot relevant. Yes, but the the actual performance of Let Me Your Voice, which is that the one that um, Tomo is singing to an audience of? Yes, one? that's that's how they find him. Yeah, so that so the song is plot relevant, but the actual uh, performance, like the grand performance of it, no, I'm getting into the semantics. Are no, here. also because that's when they put the rose on her, oh, and then yeah. eventually yeah, the it's the petal of the rose that gives away the castle. Right, I'm sorry. So the performance itself has plot relevancy. I'm thinking more in the terms of like um, Alan Macon musicals, where like the song itself, like we've advanced a few plot points by the end of it. Eh, I guess. I'm sorry. We're supposed to be arguing about why Kylie kicks ass in this yeah, movie. Just... I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, let's imagine the alternative world where they got, like, uh, a named... Uh, like, where they got a Taylor Swift or oh, a Lady Gaga. How about Zendaya? God, they would not be able to pull this off. No, it's, definitely it's, not. It's, it's like... And look, I know nobody likes the quote-unquote live-action Lion King. Ugh. <laughs> Chris made me watch that the other day again. Okay, just... What? Okay, um, so let me let me do this. I've had this discussion before with Beth and uh, Katie. Um, uh, uh, okay, so we were having a discussion once because I went down the fucking Broadway musical that hole that I do every so often. As you, uh, everyone is meant you to know, do. I should. Um. So I was, I was talking to her, uh, we were talking to them about it, and I was like, look, 
there is a live action version of The Lion King. It's on Broadway. Yes. And we were talking about how Heather Headley, you could have put Heather Headley in the live action Lion King over Beyonce and gotten a better performance, but you could not let Beyonce sing <laughs> Heather Headley's Shadowlands and get the same performance out of it. No disrespect well, to no. Beyonce, but mm, Heather Headley, you a queen. Um, <laughs> I Yes, Megan also does like the soundtrack to Aida. Um, really? Yes. Uh, the opening song I, to that is one of my favorite opening songs of Broadway. Um, I mean, it's got, I'll agree it's got catchy songs. I just, I never gravitated towards it overall, I oh, guess. Oh, no, I love the Lion King soundtrack much more, but Aida is also fairly, fairly top-notch. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> I feel like that's a stacked competition. There's a lot of really good musicals, I, I, so, uh, but no, I think, I'm, to me, the reason why Kylie yeah. nails this is that she does have the natural singing talent to carry the movie, but she also has that vulnerability and edge, that vulnerable heart to, to get Suzu's life across and that awkward texture to her voice. Cause she doesn't sound like just a moe anime cutesy girl. She has crackle no. and she has uncertainty. She sounds very unpolished because Suzu isn't a polished person. And I really yeah. want to compliment that scene on the bridge where she tries to sing a million miles away and ultimately vomits on herself. Because it's what that song represents is so much closure to her character. And mm-hmm. I that's why I love that entire that's why I really like that entire last half of the movie from the beginning of that song onward. Because, to me, that song represents something that would never have happened in a Western film. That, in that moment, Suzu shed her internet identity and the ultimate move of being vulnerable for another human being and put herself Mm -hmm. out on the line to sing what is, essentially, her goodbye to her dead mother. That is the moment where she realizes why her mother jumped in the river. It became about more than herself. And that's, and those lyrics just, for one, fucking amazing adaptation. And then how the crowd brings her back so that she can do the the finale and she's so, no longer as vulnerable and torn down and putting her heart out. Her heart has been put back together because she finally has this closure and you just have Kylie still kind of being unpolished and vulnerable, but finally saying, um, just sing with your heart out because, um, every, someone's going to always be there for you. And I think in a day and age, especially with the three of us, cause we're all in our thirties, um, we all remember the day and age where your parents told you never give out any inter- information on the internet. Someone's gonna fucking kill you. Uh, I never got. I that did. Talk. I, uh, my mom yeah, thought I mean, Steph. I, I my mom my thought kids. Steph was a serial killer before I met her in person. Aww. Um, <laughs> that's funny because 
It's funny because I remember before you guys came over to my place uh, after Yomacon 2016, Steph's mom searched my identity yeah. up because she also thought I would be a serial killer. Yeah, that's the thing that happens in America. But, like, even even beyond that, like, think about how dystopic a lot of American films on the internet are. Looking at you, Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One. Um, oh, you actually watched no, that? No, I, 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 I value my self-worth. Um, <laughs> Fair cover. I love the fact that the ending of this movie is about the power and connections that the internet can bring you. That even one person reaching out, no matter if they are, in a sense, a million miles away, will come and save mm-hmm. you. And I, I sure. love, that's what I loved about this movie, was, was it a bit messy? Yes, but the fact of it is is that that mess created something beautiful. And in this Beauty and the Beast tale, there, uh, that's one of the other things I love, is that she hooks up with nobody in the end. Um, and that the love that she shows the Beast is purely platonic. Is it it is. Yes. It's platonic. 100%. It's... Okay. The love they have for each other is through their shared trauma. They both lost their moms. They both became other people to protect, in a sense, to protect someone they loved and themselves from the pain of it. And it took meeting each other to cope with it. And I think Kylie's performance gets it across so well. It definitely helps to have that, un- as you said, unpolished performance of someone who has not gone through, um, you know, years of voice acting seminars to scrub away the the amateur elements because those are really what helps make this character. And in fact, it reminds me of the very first Mamer Hasoda movie in his filmography, The Girl Who Left Through Time, because that dub the lead character was played by an also a newbie. It was played by Emily Hurst in her first voiceover performance. And it also had that vulnerable, fun, youthful teenage girl voice to it that benefited from having someone who isn't as seasoned in voice acting. And I have no idea exactly how they, you know, picked Kylie out of the crowd. I've looked up interviews to find out, you know, what the process was like. And it really just sounds like it benefited from having someone with no clout no awards and almost no connections and yet it made the performance even stronger well in here like i don't think that kylie's performance of suzu is is perfect as somebody who you know this is my quote-unquote job to listen to a lot of dubs for a living i think her best moments come when she's singing and when she's being awkward but like there came a point and this was on oh, yeah. like my third rewatch where I was like, is it too awkward? Is it too like, it's kind of a lot when she's freaking out and she's freaking out all the time. Like <laughs> she's melodramatic and freaking it out is. all the time. And I'm like, is it working or is it mm. too much? Because when she's quiet and awkward or like really sad and like barely, you know, barely 
able to get words out. Or when she's singing, you know, both sides of the two extremities in this coin. Like, I think she does a phenomenal mm-hmm. job. But then there's the part in the middle where I'm like, is it too much? I mean, it's definitely the way it was written, where she's got things to freak out about that are different from each other. Um, she's freaking out about people trying to figure out her identity, which I love that scene where she's kind of, like, she's panic-stricken about, you know... I, People trying to figure out who I am, isn't that a bad thing? And the amateur shriekiness of it is really good. But then you've got, like you were saying, uh, freaking out about the girls are mad that, oh god, uh, Shinobu would dare to give Suzu any attention. And then we've got to freak out about, um, you know, uh, the love triangle she thinks she's stuck in the middle of. So yeah, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of her panickiness in there. I do like that when she freaks out about people criticizing her and... And, uh, Hinoka's like, but the other half likes you. And it's like, but I can only focus on the negative. I'm like, that's me. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> uh, that's why I have a very large emotional connection to this movie. Because I also panic and freak out about fucking everything. And then I'm like, oh my god. Like, what, what, people's, people are gonna, gonna dox me? They're gonna dox this dragon dude? Like, what's, what's going on? Like, I have a very, very real emotional connection with lots of this movie um and for for different ways than what you were talking about megan um like and i think kylie is really great in it i just like i don't want to be like singing every single praise down from the the sky above when I think like that as an as an actor, like if she wants to do more of this in the future, like there are definite places where there could be like another place to look or like another place to go in her vocal range so that like all the panicky and everything like is a little bit more varied or there's different levels to it other than level 200 panic all the time. Like (laughs) But where I she, I could definitely foresee yeah, like, where she really shines is the singing and in the quiet parts. And just from like watching yeah. her interviews at the at the bonus features, like I can feel that she's very passionate about singing. But I don't, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. her, so like I don't know if she has like a lot to talk about otherwise. But she seemed kind of quiet <laughs> or nervous, and like that's where I think like her personality kind of shone through her performance in this character. Yeah, I could definitely see her going on to have a career as like um the singing voice of other characters like in, you know, some Disney movies you have the actor for the speaking roles and then a different actor or actress for the singing performances. Oh, and, I can see And I'm that. so happy that they got the same actress to sing as they did to act. Like I don't think it would have worked any other way. That seems to be a quirk in a lot of dubbing as well. It's like, if they're going to go to the effort of casting someone in the English dub that is also supposed to be a singer, they make sure that the actor themselves can also yes. sing. Which is good. Um, and that's not always the case in Japan either. I'm still to this day why they did not let Matthew Broderick sing for himself in The Lion King. The man can sing. Oh, man. Look, look, Megan, Megan, we've, we've long established that it, it's late capitalism disney none of their decisions are right okay the only decision not 
the only the only good decision they've made in the last ten years is green lighting the ghost in Molly McGee. Wow, That's the it. Owl Everything House had something to say. Owl so House. Owl House. I got. I I do not dislike Owl House. I don't love it as much as everybody else does. I don't have something that I can latch on to because it's got the same issue I had with Little Witch Academia. I'm sorry about the, uh, you know, human girl comes to a magical setting, learns the magic. The mom looks like and... Ryoko from Tenchi Mio. Why do you need anything else? I, I'm sorry. And the Owl I, House has balls to enough. actually be gay, unlike Little Witch Academia. This is true. That is true. That is a good thing. I, I do love the Wendy Malick and I do love the balls to actually be gay. That is very good. But that has nothing. That's nothing to do with this. Honestly, when you started mentioning about the live-action Lion King adaptation, I thought you were going to start talking about the live-action uh, Beauty and the Beast adaptation. That was no, terrible. and also be Matthew Broderick that- isn't even Simba in that. That's total clever. But but I, the reason I was going to counter was that you all say that nobody likes the the Lion King or the Beauty and the Beast live-action adaptation. I've got a wife in the other room who has made me watch the live-action Beauty and the Beast Disney adaptation 25 I'm times. I'm so she sorry. She loves that adaptation. I'm so sorry. She That's for loves that adaptation. fucking terrible. I'm sorry, Jenny. It, I mean, she's not going to hear anyway, this. Anyway, back, um, back to your regular scheduled programs. I did not think this episode was going to be this long. I'm so, yeah, we're, we're going to trim this we down a little bit. We watch Belle twice in the amount hours. of time that it took to do this podcast. I need to pee. Could could we? Wait, how many minutes go is this? Anyway, let's take a break. Megan, go pee. No, Does I want to finish this. <laughs> All right, well, let's end then. Yeah, I think we've talked well, no, about everything wanna, with the, wanna, the main cast. Do your thoughts? or you, Oh, yeah, you did them. Well, I did my thoughts on Kylie's performance overall, and I, I've got a lot of issues with the writing of the movie, but that really doesn't have anything to do with the dub. Um, the dub kind of keyed into the tropes that were needed for the actors, and... Honestly, they did not change the story in the way that it's written. They, you know, they credit to them. They were faithful in adapting the story beats and the emotions and uh, especially the heartbreaking moments as well. So I got everything I needed to say about the dub out there. I think we're ready to move on to final thoughts as long as we can keep it under 20 yeah, minutes. I can, I, I've said my piece about how much I like the movie and how much I like the ending of this movie. And if you want to ask me more, I will send you a... Uh, nice in this essay, essay I will. <laughs> oh man, if you think in this essay I will about Belle is wild, wait until you I give you the essay that furries and VTubers are the same thing. Um, You're not wrong. Wait, 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 wait. I, I have to sit down and process that. Go, go ahead and talk. I'm going to think about this for a Anyway, minute. furries are cool and you should not be mean to furries. I will personally come fight you as a furry. Um. Surprise, motherfuckers. Um. No, I love this movie. I thought the dub was great. This is by far, I think, my my second favorite G-Kids dub as of the last couple years. Um, I think a lot of the cast does a lot of right. I think the movie does a lot of things right. And I really think that there's a lot of heart into this dub. And that's a big part of why I liked it. Um, the songs are, bar none, some of the best dubbed anime songs ever put out. Um, hard Bar to Clear... Knowing that, you know, the original composers came on, but whatever. Um, I would honestly advise you to watch it as soon as you can. Fair enough. Bell is on HBO Max now, y'all. You don't even have to buy a Blu-ray. You can stream Hurry this Hurry before shit. HBO Max has its inevitable heat death. We'll get to, we'll get to 
Oh god, we we could, again. The other bonus Patreon episode is God. What's going hey, on? Hey Gigi, with HBO do you Max know we're not in fandoms? We're in genre dumbs. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, whatever. Look, I also am sub to Discovery Plus. <laughs> so if it takes me down like six ninety nine less a month, like I'm okay with whatever they say. Just Gigi, give me you're not allowed, my Gigi, you're hours not allowed and hours to, like, of cooking content. shows. What? You're not allowed to like anything <laughs> with a script. And you know what has a script? Gossip Girl. They can cancel the new one, though. That's fine. I don't really Gossip care. Girl is for men, according to the CEO of HBO Max. I mean, have you seen how little clothing Blake Lively wears in Gossip Girl? They might not be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was just looking up my rating on Mal for this. Uh, and I've, I couldn't remember if I rated it a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10. And it was a 10 out of 10. I obviously... Wow. Lo- yeah, not a lot of things get a 10 out of 10 for me. Like, I don't even think Diabolic Lovers got a 10 out of 10. I No offense, I love you, Gigi. But if that got a 10 out of 10, I'm going to have concerns. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, so... We uh, are going... Is- me... And me and other Megan are going to do an intervention. <laughs> um, All the Megans of the world will get to No, it's just going to be me and Brainchild. <laughs> well, this Anyways. movie struck a very emotional chord with me, and the dub helped that. Uh, mostly, again, because of the music and the singing. But again, that's part of the dub. So um, I would, even though it is like kind of predictable in the Beauty and the Beast adaptation kind of sense. I'm also a whore for fairy tale retellings. So this was pretty much mm. the most perfect VTuber movie I've ever seen, except for possibly One Piece film Red, which I will uh, wait to make my judgments about. She's until... not a VTuber! She's just an idol! No, no, no. She a VTuber in real life. Yeah, oh, really? she has VTuber shit on the One Piece YouTube channel. Like they're they're making okay, her out to that. be like a VTuber. Like when she performed at the One Piece um anniversary thing, it was Hatsune Miku shit. It wasn't the it wasn't uh, the I mean, singer, it was the singer doing a VTuber of Uda who Uda. I re- I really should get more into VTubers. No. I mean it feels like it's been a collective good for so the ability for people to perform without needing to. So do small life. tangent is that I think I'm going to be a VTuber and I'm just going to be a circus ringmaster and host Gigi's hot boy circus. So whenever I get $3,000, <laughs> you know, to get rigging and nice art made, like that will be my VTuber persona. We have another that. reason why furries and VTubers are the same. See? I can't, I'm just saying here, like, okay, so is it just the fact that VTubers and furries Let's, have no, a I will do this that looks after different the call. from their... I mean, again, we could, we will have this discussion later, but again, I, I don't think, I don't know if I am a furry or not, but I know I've dealt with the culture a whole lot. And so you making that claim is making me rethink my life altogether. Anyway, I love I mean, Belle. Really. It's my I'm, favorite Hosoda movie. Everybody should go watch it. And, wow. uh, I would really like to cosplay in that flower dress one day. Hell yeah. And, um, I still love Chase Crawford, even though I didn't care for him in this movie. <laughs> Gotta say face with Chase Chase, if you ever listen to this, um, know that I love you and that Nate Archibald is the best himbo in the entire world. Thank you. Good night, my sweet prince. What about Miami Jacksonville? What? Nothing. Anyway, Noah. Jason Mendoza. Thank you for just a second. (laughs) 
So I have many, many, many issues with this movie. And um, I am kind of jealous that I didn't get the emotional impact out of it that um, Megan and Gigi did. And I have had the same problem for now the last three Mamoru Hosoda films. His career has now been divided in two. There is Wolf Children, The Girl Who Left Through Time, and Summer Wars, all three of which were written not by Hosoda himself, but by... Um, God, I'm sorry. I'm gonna Old Children is not on. as good so, as people make it out to be. I'm just I've saying. never seen it. I've only seen Summer so, Wars and this. So, so, so uh, his screenwriter for those three movies was Satoku Okudura, who hasn't really gone on to do very much on her own that was nearly as successful as those. But then Hasoda decided to write Boy and the Beast, Mirai, and Belle all by himself. And when you give someone that much freedom, especially animators, they tend to have a lot of great ideas that don't get turn into an adequate movie. I'm sorry. Listen, I man, like Daisuke Ishimatori is everything for Guilty Gear and he's made a successful game. I trust the process. I'm sure you do, but I've seen enough Don Bluth adaptations and Ralph Bakshi adaptations and Mamoru Hosoda adaptations where if you let the director be the writer, they will have a lot of great ideas that don't get blended into a good movie very well. This, this movie had enough ideas that could have been a TV show. Like, I really felt like I was watching the truncated version of a feature of a 13-episode TV man. show. And I've seen 13-episode TV shows with worse writing than this. Well, of course, obviously, but that... I mean, that, that's a low bar to clear. That's a really low bar to clear. My point is, is that this dub did the, did the source material very well. Everyone here, even the ones who didn't have uh, the most standout performance because they're not voice actors who are just filling a trope in this movie, are still enough of a flavor to give this movie the grandiosity that it definitely deserves. And you can definitely tell that the music was with the Japanese producers, that's something that I really do appreciate. Not all dub singing is good. We've heard some very bad dub singing in our lifetimes. <laughs> Less so in this decade. I think this decade we've gotten to the point where if you're going to dub music from Japanese to English, you're going to put in the effort to make it sound good. Thank the holy gods. So that brings us to the end of this discussion, and I, I'm just glad that Megan and Gigi, that you guys really like this movie, because honestly, there is a lot here to enjoy. Thank you for appreciating that. And now the question has to be asked, where can you watch this movie? Well, Gigi already answered it for us. It is now, as of like just a couple days ago, is on HBO Max. So you can buy that subscription and fuel more bad decisions like canceling the Batgirl movie. And allowing and allowing the Flash to still happen. But, but, I was about to say, but approving the Flash to continue to function. That's a can of worms that doesn't need us to thrash on anymore. But that's where you can watch Bell. Um, you can, but you can also uh, buy it on home video. Um, Megan was actually very nice enough to send me a copy of it on Blu-ray and DVD. That Blu-ray is the standard release from G Kids because, as of the time of this recording, the special edition release of this movie has not been made available. I think by the time you hear this, it, it will, will be, like, and I think out it's out in the week. UK. There's also a steelbook version, which I have, which is exclusive to Target, and I don't know if it's sold out. I'm going to get the big Well, there you one. go. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, if I had, didn't already have a copy of it, I'd probably uh, encourage people to go get the, the big Ellie that's coming you out. You can always that just give mine away. I'm not going to be offended. Uh, no, no, I, I, I love it. I, I'm keeping it. It's so shiny, and I want to keep it like that. Okay. 
It's awesome. I mean, I'm more for the special features. Not. I think that Ellie is coming with like a nice shiny box and the CD as well. So if you're more into the music anyway. side, um, and, yeah. So that's where you can watch. The music's that. also on Spotify um, if you just want to listen to the soundtrack. But you can't put Spotify on your shelf in a jewel But case. I can play it in my car. Okay. Yes, you can. But for us poor people who are still using cassette players, we still need to have the physical Shut CDs. up. Oh, you, you laugh, but I, until I got a new car, I still had a cassette player hey, in my old car. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm stalling here. Because we want to tell you people about the Dub Talk podcast. Yes, this podcast is a place where hopefully you have hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. We release new episodes every Friday. We've been doing so for like almost six years now so obviously we know what we're doing we're professionals uh we also have audio only feeds like uh apple Podcasts, podbean google play all those fun audio only feeds check us out there if you don't want to watch the video version um but we also have a patreon yes if we could not make this any clearer we are not able to do this alone we are reliant upon not just the support, but also the financial contributions of those on Patreon. And I want to give a special shout out to the individuals who make that possible. Yes, these are the people who donated at our $5 tier. And we want to give you guys a big shout out. Big thank you to Nico Robin, but with yowie hands. Michelle Travis, Victor Mayberoda, and of course, Megan's mom and dad. Yay. I know you can hear me in the background. Oh, no, they're asleep. <laughs> oh, but go wake him up. No. No, don't do that. <laughs> no, don't do that. But uh, we also want to give an even bigger shout out to our $10 patrons. These are the folks who contribute just a little bit more and get the episodes early along with Patreon exclusive options and the ability to vote to put in their option for a raffle to make us review what they want us to review. We've done some crazy Patreon requests, so maybe you could make the next crazy Patreon request. Crazy requests that have been made by people like Marissa Lenti. Thank you so much, Marissa. Jacob Wilson. I hope you enjoyed that gold, uh, Golden Boy episode. Jared Hawkins. Thank you so much, Jared. Otaku Anthony. Keep rocking on, rocking on. Carly Lestikow. Again, we're going to try to do the best episodes possible for Carly. Also, do the best for Anthony Brown. Thank you, Anthony. And finally, to one Crimson Echidna who we know is watching us in the Discord chat right now. Hi, Crimson. Hi, Josh. <laughs> so that is us. Um, quickly, to wrap this up here, Megan, what do you do when you are not I singing in a virtual shit world? Post. I shitpost on Twitter at QueenAir2. You can also, I hang out in the Funchy Roll Discord and uh, the Anime Dubs Discord. Uh, I stream every so often. And when I'm not, I'm probably playing Xenoid Chronicles 3 right now. Please don't spoil me. I will find you. I mean, by the time this episode goes up, I'm assuming you'll be further into it than... <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> fucking not. <laughs> Do you understand that, that was... my file for two is almost 300 hours long? And that was just the base game? Uh... 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 Uh, okay, I uh, clearly don't know how long video games last. It's a JRPG, I no, I assume like... it's at least 200 hours. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That was great syncing. Thanks, Gigi. 
So what do you do around the world? Not much. I'm trying to erase myself. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. Uh, I have a (laughs) YouTube channel that I don't post videos on. I have a Twitter where I basically talk about how tired I am because I have a lot happening in my world right now. Uh, you can follow me at Anime Palooza. I also have a Pop Shop Live, which I have to revive, and I hate it when everything is getting revived. Um, but we'll just see what happens. But yeah, if you want to talk about some mobile games and hear about my gotcha luck, you can come find me on Twitter. <laughs> I, I will never get that that obsession. Sorry. I'm not a gambling person, personally. I need to go to the casino, because I just watched Kakigurui. I gotta watch the next season. Yeah, as of we recording this, Kakigurui Twins just dropped a couple days ago. Uh, uh, My name is Noah Clue, and you can follow me on Twitter, at Noah Clue, where I do not talk about gacha games or the five million hour RPGs out there because I don't know how video games work. I'm an animation person, so if it's anything to do with the world of animation, the media, the news about it going on, I'm most likely discussing it there. I just recently watched the animatic for the Sony Popeye movie that got leaked online, and it was very brief too because almost as soon as it went online, because somebody leaked it, uh, DMCA notices started popping up all over the place, which is a real shame because it was a really good animatic. It was fully voice acted, fully sound edited with the images. It, it would have been a really good movie. I think it would have been much, much better than the Emoji movie. So hunt that down if you can find it. And uh, our concert has come to an end and the beast has been tamed at last. So we can finally... Go to rest. Encore. 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 No! This file's already two and a half hours long. Cool. Let's all go to bed, because we're old now. Joke's on you. I'm going to bed at three in the morning. My favorite streamer's on tonight. Ooh. Oh, no. I'm... I gotta work tomorrow. (laughs) So do I, suckers! Oh, no! That's what what caffeine and Adderall is for. No, that's what Mountain Dew is for. I said caffeine. Fair. <laughs> Anyways, otaku on, aloha, and uh, I, what was Belle's catchphrase? Did she really have a catchphrase? She didn't no. really have one, did she? Just, um. Love your faces. Sing on. Fill the world with silly love songs. But up, up, but up, up. The sky breathes life. It's just Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Literally. It's part Beauty and the Beast. By the way, I, uh, uh, Gigi, you need to get in on this. Jennifer's been watching every Beauty and the Beast adaptation she can find. Like, the cheap ones on, uh, like, free television stuff. And I told her... You need to start a podcast where you, like, talk about every adaptation. Yeah, there she is. Yeah. Tell them about... There's one that's really dirty. Have you gotten to that one yet? Jen, have you gotten to the dirty Beauty and the Beast adaptation? Uh-uh. I don't... Yeah, she had, she's only watched the, the clean ones. Like, what was the one It, it the traumatized one? me. It was hard to find. The I'll see I if I could find it. The guy with, um, The one from the 90s, right? Yep. And it's got Belle's dad is like a painter. And she's a painter too. Yes. And she's a painter. Well, no, she, oh, her art is more photographs, but she does a painting. 
Right, right. I don't remember this at all. I got to find the dirty one, but literally put your children <laughs> to bed before you watch it. Because even I was traumatized I and I don't get traumatized easily. And then what was 